episode 235, Hotshot Scott. Young's- Two, three, five. Youngstown, Ohio, or was that last week? That was last week. It was. On March 24th, 2024, so another year from now. Oh, I'm not going to be able to wait, whatever it is. It will be in area code 235. It's not right now, but it will be on March 24th, 2024, Columbia, Missouri. Hello. Columbia's never had one until now. Charleston. (laughs) What the hell? (laughs) They've run out of numbers on the current area code. Sure they have. They needed a new area code in Missouri. Charleston, Missouri. I just did Marv. I didn't mean that. I like Marv, though. No, it's supposed to be. What's he doing? Is he around, by the way? It's supposed to be Larry Larry King. King. Yeah, that's right. It's not supposed to be Marv Albert. (laughs) Hannibal, Missouri. Hello. I don't know who I'm doing now. Jefferson City, Missouri. Hello. So so let's do the show 11 months from now. Let's do this episode. We can just wait. And so we'll, really? be, so we'll be accurate. Should I hit yeah. the delete button on episode 235? <laughs> yeah, you might want to. By the way, you look fresh back from Coachella. I don't think I'm everyone not, knows. Why do, we, why do you, you say I look there? fresh? Because I'm having a sun-kissed orange? That's right. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, zero yeah. sugar. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? A, oh, like a, a beverage. Like right there. Oh, gotcha. Orange. I thought you were yeah. actually eating an orange. It's <laughs> like, all right, whatever. No, I just like the idea of you going to Coachella for the weekend. I don't weekend. know what Coachella is. Come what is Coachella? on. You didn't it's l- down in California, and it's some sort oh, of a festival. Big music festival. Music fe- is it like South by Southwest over there in Austin? Uh, no, that'd people be a, are a little say, more movies. By the way, people are asking us to cut the sniff out. Can we cut the sniff out? Are we, are we, oh physical, are we physically able to? To cut the sniff out? I feel like we've been doing it since I've met you, like, in 94. Like, I've been doing it, like... You didn't meet me in 94, did you? 95. Maybe 95. 95, yeah. We've been sniffing since 95? Unfortunately, yeah. Well, get a a nose spray or something. (laughs) Or a new bit. (laughs) Yes, a new bit. (laughs) That's more like it, Christ. Can you grow a little bit as as an entertainer? No, you can't. No, you can't. Episode 235, Hot Shot, is available on all podcast platforms, Mm -hmm. I've been told to say. Okay. Subscribe and rate us, please, on Apple. We need some new reviews. We do. My God, they're getting old. Oh, okay. Crusty. Yeah. Some five-star reviews. If you love the sniff, best time. (laughs) By the way, the best time ever since we started back in November of 2018. Okay. Is when the podcast came out, believe it or not. a long time ago. Coming up on five years. Oh, that's going to be a lot of pressure for you. Best time ever to be... You just did it. You can't <laughs> Sorry, stop. I can't stop. Stop. I can't stop. Best time ever to become a patron, I believe. Now, I know football season, we do a lot of patron shows. Right. And you used to do music shows. You don't do That's them anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I promised that you were going to yeah. continue, but you, yeah, you really I haven't. I don't think I promised. But, yeah. um, but it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good time to become a patron. We've settled into a nice rhythm of spring-summer shows. Mm. I'll give you an example of last week. So we had 234 that you and I did that came out free on all the platforms. Mm-hmm. And then four more shows came out on Patreon, on the Patreon site for patrons. Four more shows last week. Mariners No Table on Wednesday, Wednesday night. 234P with Danny O'Neill came out on Thursday morning. Shoot the Shit with Slick came out on Friday morning. And then the Kraken Playoff Preview, the Kraken No Table, came out on Saturday. So four, and those shows are kind of between 20 and 40 minutes, 20 and 30 minutes. Yeah. So you had our long show last Monday that came out and four more now weekly regular shows. We're going to throw a golf show. It's going to be five shows for patrons that are like 20-minute shows throughout the week. I think... That's worth at least five ninety nine, and we only charge five dollars. That's right, I five dollars a month. The Kraken in the playoffs. The Mariners are finally playing like we kind of hoped they would. Ooh, I mean, we're going to talk about that. Great time, 
I thought we were content. gonna. I thought we were gonna have something very almost perfect to talk about on episode two thirty five. But of course, of Dave Sims, my buddy Simsy, who I love, yeah, yeah, love him personally, love him as. A, I don't know. He and I just disagree on this. This Go is ahead. a long. Well, you know the story. The long running dispute with Dave Sims, and about, he's he's tired of hearing it. Hearing of it when a guy's got a no hitter or a perfect game. Yeah. In the midst of the game, yeah. he's calling it a no hitter and a perfect game on okay. TV. Yeah. He doesn't believe in the nonsense. He I'm on his he doesn't side. want Completely, you are, Yes, I'm on his side. He doesn't want to hear any and we all it all pisses all of us off because inevitably <laughs> somebody gets a hit and then we blame it on him. <laughs> That's for dumb people, Jesus. And what he would say is, let me ask you a question. If I don't say it yeah. on Sunday when Luis Castillo had a perfect game going through six, if I don't say it. I don't say perfect game. I don't say no hitter. And then the guy still gets a hit in the seventh, which yeah. he will. Then who are you going to blame it on? You don't have anybody to blame it on. That's right. So I'm giving you somebody to blame it on. Blame he, it on. He just does. He refuses to listen to that. He calls it a perfect game. He calls it a no hitter <laughs> right in the middle of the no hitter in the perfect game. That's the top of the like first that. inning. There's one out. It's a perfect game so I, far. I, I don't like it. <laughs> I, see, I'm, I'm I don't him. like it. It's really stupid. I, we were you, do don't, you don't mind. I, no. I, 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 be, a, be a grown-up. It's not <laughs> about you, being you don't a affect grown. the game at all. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't, stupid. Yes, it does. They hear it from up there. Down. See, sorry. you can't stop. I'm you, gonna, well, I have to breathe. <laughs> and look at the schnoz. Oh, I know. That's just, the problem I've got. My people, socks just got sucked up. The people that are... By the way, when I was doing the show with Your gas, socks just got sucked out. <laughs> oh, that sniff. Did anybody me. hear that? No. And you didn't even sniff after that one. That was uh, pretty good. I was doing the show with gas, yeah. and at some point, someone called and said, hey, you guys are going to talk about the, the no-hitter that's going on through like eight. And gas and I are like, what? There's a no-hitter? So we hit the button for our producer, Kevin Shockey. Shockey, is there a no-hitter going on right now? He's like, yeah, but it's with my team, the Phillies, and I didn't want to jinx it, so I didn't want to say anything. We're like, what? We're doing a show. Could you maybe have come in and told us? But he refused to tell us. He thought it would ruin it. Like, dude, come on. You're not a child well, anymore. Well, I'm okay talking about it. I'm not okay. Well, if you're the announcer of the Mariners and the game's going on, you've got to say something. But I just... Uh, no, I, I do not like the announcer saying, hey, he's got a perfect game through six. We'll be back. <laughs> but every no, no, so no, every no, perfect no. game or no hitter, the, the announcers have never mentioned it. Most announcers will not mention really? it by name. Oh, just by so name. Weird. Why is that weird? It's weird. Like, it's, it's not it's, weird. It's, it's almost arrogant to think you can affect <laughs> the game somehow. So stupid. Well, Grow up. Uh, all of you. Anyway, it's five dollars a month. <laughs> Yeah. You get four or five weekly shows, short weekly shows, and it's a great time to become a Mitch Unfiltered patron. If that's a problem for you, $5 a month, which I highly doubt, but if it's a problem for you and you want to become a patron and the $5 gets in the way, well, just text me or don't text me because you don't have my number, but email me at Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. Message me and I'll let you Message in. me. Uh, well, no, me, and then I'll give you Mitch's cell number and you can text him that way. So Thank you. Yeah, man. yeah. You've been known to do that before. I've given your number out to people. Oh, I know you. But I'm pretty good That's about asking. It's some. I, I, I think I'm pretty well, good about asking. Yeah, but then it just gets out of here. I told you mine got set on the air one time. and Really? Oh, T yeah. T-Man did Oh, it? he loved it. Yeah. Because there was an ongoing... Uh, <laughs> go ahead. Well, I... Go ahead. Before my somber news, go ahead. My number is three numbers and then shot for... I tried to get hot shot for my phone number. Hold on a second. I never do this. Oh, really? This is the guy who says he's hated the nickname all these years. Got to lean into it at some point, big boy. <laughs> Come on. 
I was in my 20s. Really? Yeah, I still have the same number. It's blank, blank, blank shot. Yeah. Okay, so, I gave you that nickname, and every yeah. time I try to take credit for it, you say, oh, I've never really liked it. Uh, well, I nickname. never really liked it. It's, yeah, but I went out and got a phone number that was S-H-O-T. <laughs> but no one but really... you, hated the, you hated the name. So, like, when it sounded like an attractive woman would call, I would just slowly, like, mumble my phone number, like, as if to call me. So one day, he just got sick of it, because he could hear me. I, I would just go, he knew what I was doing. So he would just go. Is it the same number all these years later? Yeah. It's the same oh, one. Really? And so he just went out. If you want to say it, it's 206. <laughs> rather than shot. Wow. No, I didn't say it. He did it. Yeah, yeah, he gave it. So my phone blew up for like were you, three hours. Were you angry or you didn't really care? I didn't care. It's a bunch of text messages. And is this really you? It didn't matter. It was fine. It went away. It went away. So now I can figure out your phone number. Is the, Are the last four numbers shot? Yeah. You can figure so it out. So I have to try every single combination of the first three. <sighs> yep, you do. It's out there. And it, you just said it was 206. So yep. we know it's not 425 or no. 253 or 360. It's a 206 something, something, something shot. And it's not hot All shot. right, people. I tried. Get going. <laughs> the first one to figure it out wins a Mitch Unfiltered mug. <laughs> uh... Yes, I know. I tried. Well, before we officially begin the show and get, I guess we've already become silly a little bit, but get to our typically jovial selves, yeah. I really feel like we need to share our heartfelt condolences with the family of our pal, Andy Ide. You probably have heard the story by now mm -hmm. uh, that Andy wasn't able to recover from that stroke that he suffered a month ago or so at Climate Pledge Arena. He passed away on Friday. Just a delightful guy a super important voice and supporter of hockey going back to before there was the NHL, mm. before it was awarded to Seattle, an expansion team. The guy literally had zero ego. He was not only patient with those of us in the media who are new to hockey, new to the sport, but he was warm and encouraging. He kind of almost brilliantly recognized and embraced the fact that he could, in a very small way, help grow the popularity of the game here just by being available to guys like me mm. to discuss and teach us some of the nuances of the game. And that's yeah. what he's done for us. A yeah. lot of hockey experts could have gone, you guys are idiots, screw you, I'm not right. here to help you. But he he went the other way. He completely he went found the other a niche. way. And, and, and he kind of knew, hey, this is important that we go the other way because – Guys like, you know, not Mitch, but, you know, Mitch and guys that don't really know the game. It's yeah. important that the people that are out there, the people that that others listen to actually learn the game of hockey. It will only be good for us in the Northwest. I only knew him for the few years that he was appearing here on Unfiltered. He was going to be the driving force and centerpiece of our new crack and note table, which we debuted last week. Wow. He even picked the panelists that were going to be on. We had met via Zoom to figure it all out. We were both very excited about the concept. I was excited to have him. He signed on to do it. We were actually going to record the first show, the Kraken Note oh. Table, after the game on May 18th when he, he suffered the stroke that night. And subsequently, I never got a chance, like so many others, to say goodbye. Yeah. So I say thank you to Andy Ide. No one deserved to be front and center for the Kraken's first ever playoff oh. journey more than Andy Ide. And it's the crime of the year that we lose Andy as the Kraken begin the postseason with the defending champs, the Colorado Avalanche. Rest in peace, Andy Ide. I couldn't wait to the end in our RIPs to yeah. talk about that. Maybe the Andy Ide Kraken no table going yeah. forward. Maybe we've been talking it about him. it. Yeah. yeah. 
One of the guys that that's on the no table only agreed to be on the no table until Andy got better. He was just keeping the seat warm. We thought that Andy might improve yeah. and get out of the situation, but he passed away on yeah. Friday. It's just just awful news yeah. from the world of hockey in the Northwests. Anyway, episode 235, guests on this episode 235, Hotshot. Do you know the name Brady Ware? Probably not. Doesn't sound familiar. University of Indianapolis Baseball. Okay. Division two. Okay. He recently became the only known baseball player ever on any level to do what? Oh, my Hot gosh. Hotshot Scott. Baseball is so packed with weird, bizarre stats. It that... may have happened in the Little League somewhere like in Omaha, Nebraska, but there's no record of it ever happening in high school, college, or on any professional level, minor league, or major league. And he did it a couple of weeks, a week and a half ago. What did he do? Brady Ware, University of Indianapolis. This might be shooting too far, but the home run cycle, like a solo, a dust, two-run home Incorrect. run? Incorrect. I don't know. Baseball, I mean, it's so many things. He hit for the cycle in a game against Drury University okay. on the same night that he threw a no-hitter oh on gosh. the mound. That's crazy. Shohei Otani. Yeah, right. your art out. That's amazing. Threw a no-hitter in the same game as he hit for the cycle. And here's the, here's the uh, well, not unbelievable part, but here's the great part of it. He only batted four times oh, in the game. Gosh, so it wasn't hard. like one of these games that was like 19 right. to four where you get like seven shots and you, right, right. he got four chances, homer, double, triple, single. So he got, <laughs> he got the tough stuff out of the way early. And it all happened after he had a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich at Wendy's. <laughs> I kid you not. Oh, so God. I've been trying to get him an NIL deal. Oh, yeah. He has gone on. He went on the Pat McAfee show. He came on our show. You'll hear it on this yeah. episode 235. He's told everybody, look, I had a Wendy's bacon, egg, and cheese. <laughs> I asked him what he had. If if Wendy's was ever going to do an NIL with any any athlete of no all question. time, yes. wouldn't it be the guy who had the bacon, egg, and cheese right before throwing a no-hitter and hitting for the cycle in the same game? He, how long has baseball been played? Yeah, a couple years. He's the only guy to ever do it, ever. So... It's how many, how many Little League kids on the way to their game would hear that and go, Mom, Dad, we have to stop. We got to get one. You saw what it did. I, I don't think they need to hear that. They just want to stop and get it anyway. <laughs> yeah, get me true. a Frosty, too. Oh, he likes a good Frosty. He didn't have one that morning. But he's a vanilla Frosty guy. I'm a combo guy. I don't know if you like a good Frosty. I do like Wendy's. a nice Frosty, yeah. yes. Vanilla. Very, it's know. very thick. That's the thing, though. You can't you use gotta a straw. Wait. Well, you just got to wait. You got to show some patience. Yeah, if you're in Tempe, Arizona in August, maybe. So I, I put the seat warmer on next <laughs> yeah. to me. And I put... Exactly. That's some patience. <laughs> Guest number two, Matthew Stretch Johnson returns to the show. Oh, good. Hotshot, my okay. old friend and producer. Yep. You were once a producer. We're going to reminisce about KJR stories together. Yeah, I was never a producer. I, I didn't want to go down that dark, ugly road that was going to end nowhere with you. Yes, so you were. I was your board op. You were kind of a producer, weren't you? Uh, for Clayton, I produced his show on the Saturday show. I'm not show. Clayton. No, you're not. Um, but yeah, I don't. Th I was never your producer. I no way. Oh no! I saw that ugliness coming a mile Would away. You stop! No way! I wanted then any part of that. Then why are all these producers lining up to come on <laughs> Mitch Unfiltered? Lining up because they're out of jobs. They've got no career. <laughs> they got they got to grovel to this guy again. Holy shit! I thought I, I would be figured honest. Matt and I would reminisce about funny things or not so funny things that happened at KJR yeah. over the years, and people will get a, a kick out of that. The best story. I don't want to say the funniest story. It's funny now. Maybe the most unreal story of Matt Stretch Johnson and my relationship. I actually, t I retell with him on this segment. Okay. I'll give you the short version now. You get the long version with him. Right. I don't know if you even know this. 
like 2002, 2003, 2001, somewhere in there when he was producing. Okay. I was invited to play in a pickup game at the Bellevue Club. Okay. So I'm what? Uh, you're 36. 36. Yeah, 36, 37 years old. Yeah. Something like that. And I went on the morning show that morning and say, hey, I haven't played pickup basketball in so long. I don't really want to do this. And he's like, you should do this. I was like, I don't really want to do this. I'm going to blow out my Achilles. I just know I'm going to. I'm going to tear my Achilles. Yeah. And he says, no, you're not. And this was going on on the air. And he says, so after at 10 o'clock when we go off the air, because he he prided himself as a soccer player. Did you know that? He played sure. soccer. Oh, yeah. And a flag football player as well. A flag football player when as well. When he swatted Fish's nine-year-old said- son's pass down. Everything. <laughs> you told me about that. <laughs> Just let the kid throw. Jesus Christ, he's nine years old. He couldn't resist. The guppy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Aaron Donner all of a sudden yeah, running yeah, through and smapping yeah. it up. Anyway, yes. He tells me. On the air, he says, at 10 a.m., I'm going to show you how you stretch your Achilles. I'm going to show you how you stretch before the game. You're going to be fine. Go play the game. I'm a soccer star. (laughs) Stretch is really telling you how to stretch. stretch. Okay, all right. right. So after the the show at 10 o'clock, we're out in the bullpen. You can picture this, and he's telling me, I want you to take your right foot, find a step, and do this. I want you to take your left now. He's got me all. And I want you to do this for 15 or 20 minutes before the So I go to the Bellevue Club, and I immediately – completely rupture my yeah, I saw you on crutches yeah I'm ra- hobbling around the office I actually predicted my own demise yeah yeah literally 35 seconds into the game oh oh that early yeah early. Oh, oh yeah I was God. stretching doing everything he told me to do <laughs> oh, went into the game and felt like I was shot Punk. with a sniper from yeah, behind that's what I've heard and, and a week later or three days five days later I was in major Achilles surgery right. and, and and my life was never the same oh thanks thanks stretch <laughs> and all because of stretch yeah and so that's my nightmare. Too. He, he claims even to this day, you'll hear him on the segment say, <laughs> you didn't do it right. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just had you have done it right. You would have been just so Matt fine. Stretch Johnson is uh, oh, is uh, interview number two. And interview number three is an author by the name of Michael Bamberger. My golf fan friends will know him. You wouldn't. Those that love the game of golf. He's authored nine books. He's also a writer. Uh, you see him on the internet all the time. He's got a new book out called Ball in the Air. If you've ever been bitten by the golf bug like uh-huh. I have, like yeah. so many of us have, you'll enjoy that segment. It's really a golfer's segment, though. Right. If you don't like golf, then forget it. He was at the Masters last week all week. We'll oh. talk about live versus, you know, the whole thing. Nice. The uneasiness of Phil Mickelson and everything else. Are you a top golf guy? You ever been there? That's funny that you should ask. Okay. Everything I say is funny. How- Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Um, I like the concept. Oh, here we go. I've not. I've only tried to go one time to the new one right here, sure. down, down fifteen minutes from here, twelve yep. minutes south of here. And we went one night, and they were, it was there was some ridiculous wait. It was like, yeah, yeah we'll put you on a list. It'll be probably about three and a half hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> right around Christmas, we'll get you in. Yeah. I think we went for one of the kids' birthdays. Maybe Brett wanted yeah, to go for last summer. Forget it, yeah. And, and we crazy. tried to get in. I was actually very excited when I heard they were building one here because I had yeah. heard of the concept in Vegas and so forth and never had been to one, so I was excited. But for whatever reason, I can't even give you the reason we haven't been back. So I still have not, I've walked into the front door, but I've still not experienced Top Golf. Have you? Yeah, we go about once a year in Arizona. Oh, in Arizona. Yeah, Piper. You've not been to the one here. No, I haven't been to uh, Piper has, I haven't. We were actually. Aren't they all the same, pretty much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were actually invited Friday, but we couldn't go. 
So that would have been our first time. But yeah, we go once a year in Arizona and, you know, her dad loves it and Piper loves it. And, you know, me, I'm just like, yeah, I'll hit the ball. Right. You know, it's cool. It is a cool concept, though, for people who like. So what do you may do? What do you golf. do? You have you have a meal and you hit balls yep. out into the. Yeah, the, the, the food is surprisingly good. Yeah. And the service is good. And you have yeah. your own bay and you can be on the upper deck or down below. And but it's it's expensive, though, right? Don't you have to, like, rent the bay? Yeah. Or do you, is that, how does it work? Yeah, how essentially work you have your own bay. Yeah. You know, but when, when grandpa picks up the check, it ain't expensive <laughs> for me. You know. No, but so you can choose, like, you can play different games. So, oh. so all the little holes have, like, these nets with, it's like oh. kind of like a dartboard in a way. So yeah. if you get it in the middle, it's more points than if it rolls, you know, and then it keeps your score up there. So it's actually pretty fun. So it's more than just hitting balls. You can it's like, not made you want to go out to a real golf course and play golf? I don't think I'd be. I'm just not good at so it. So what? I'm surpri- I'm actually a little bit surprised that you haven't even really dabbled. Well, I mean, I've gone to a, like a, a range with friends. Yeah, but and- you haven't dabbled in actually learning to play. An athlete like you. I think at well, your age now, you would say, oh, I'll go out and see what happens. Like Stretch, he's going to tell you on his segment, yeah. used to make fun of me. He never played. He was a soccer guy, a yeah, yeah, football yeah. guy. And when we and when we worked together at KJR and I would get off in, at, at, you know, at 10 o'clock during the summers and like at 1030, be out the door to go play golf. He'd be like, I don't get this. What is it? What is it? Yeah. Everybody's doing this. What's it? And he and he. He put the stiff arm up to it. He wanted no part of golf. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know where he did the segment from that we just <laughs> oh, did? No. Palm Springs. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and he was like, let's get, let's finish this up. I got to get out to the first tee. Yeah. Now he's like totally, oh, totally into golf. It's weird. He doesn't play soccer or flag football anymore. All of my friends play. Like, I can't I'm think of I'm surprised you haven't gone out and just tried to learn. Yeah. You're a good athlete. I think the older I get, the more I like doing things I'm not, uh, the less I like doing things I'm not, not good, good at. at. I just, and people say I, I swing it like a baseball, like I'm breaking my wrists and it's flying. You know, I just, I don't do it so right. What? So I, I definitely could use a lesson if I were to ever like, well, get serious about it. Like, there are people out there that will give you a lesson. Hotshot. There well, might've been somebody who's listening to this right now that would give you a lesson for free. Hotshot. I don't own clubs. It's like, it seems like oh, a whole thing. But you can booze on the course, which I would I'm bet that against. Piper someday would be a good golfer. She actually really in, enjoys it. Like she loves going she, and she's hitting. She's a good the ball. athlete. She's a good baseball. I'm sure she would yeah, pick she it up it. pretty fast. Grandpa takes her to like do nine holes in Arizona oh, sometimes. So yeah, she, she likes it. Loves it. Has a blast. Yeah. You're missing out. Am I? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a try one day. What what, what time does that start? <laughs> What'd you just do? Uh, Can't be there. I just want everybody to know that's him over there. If you hear a sniff, it's him. If you hear a sniff from me, it's my breathing. I have a very big nose. And when I breathe in, his socks get sucked. That's right. They do. So three good guests. Brady Ware, University of Indianapolis, hit for the cycle and threw a no-no in the same game. Matt Stretch Johnson and Michael Bamberger on his ninth book, Ball in the Air. A little bit about golf. This episode 235 Hotshot doesn't happen without our partners like Evergreen Gov Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. Check them out, evergreengk.com. More than just a financial advisor, Evergreen is everything wealth. Zeke's Pizza, not only are Zeke's Pizza locations popping up all over the place, the first one outside Washington State in Eagle, Idaho, But ordering via the Zeke's Pizza app has never been easier. They've done a complete overhaul of the app. Download and try it. Homegrown in the Northwest. John Waterstrat, Fireside Home Solutions. Whether it's a brand new fireplace inside or out, 
or garage doors. Begin your search at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. The Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage seems like every day we hear about high interest rates and difficulty getting home loans. Jordan Flowers' team is very aggressive and creative, can get you packages better than most. If you're buying a home, a second home, an investment piece, 425-890-2957. That's Jordan's personal cell phone, 425-890-2957. He'll get you a nice package and save you money. Daniel's Broiler and the world-class steakhouse bracket. CEO Lindsey Schwartz identifies his top seeds in the appetizer, steak, seafood, and even dessert regions. Four locations all opened, ready to host your special occasion. You gotta love Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses. All right, episode 235 begins right now unfiltered you know what my first reaction was when i read the story that jalen carter is going to be here tomorrow to interview with the you know what the first reaction was what? that means one thing they ain't <laughs> taking jalen carter unfiltered when i see a dead pull hitter who struggled the first 500 at bats start hitting the ball consistently and driving the ball out of the ballpark 415 feet to right center and then 482 feet to left center that now is a whole different ball game to me mitch is unfiltered episode 235 is now officially underway trying to get me fired up for that why what did i move on from it what did i do i ran into yes how do i present who i ran into i ran into a guy very nice guy who happens to be the father of a teammate of Brett's, my son, a baseball teammate of Brett's, not mm-hmm. basketball. He also happens to be the father of a daughter who plays with your daughter. Yep. So he's got a got he's got a connection with both of us. That's and I right. happened to randomly run into him last night. We were playing, we were shooting pool. What are you, George Thorogood out there playing pool in the, <laughs> the three of us. of the bone video? The three of us were out shooting you pool. You played pool? We went out to a pool. Holy play, Lord. A, we went out to a restaurant that happened to have pool tables, so the three of us were shooting pool, and we ran into him, and I yeah. said to him, how's your daughter doing? I know she plays with hot shots. Not anymore. She doesn't. Yeah. They broke up. The, I said, what happened? Uh, I said, too much drama. He says, way too much drama. And he said, it's a shame that we didn't keep them all together that there was so much drama because if they were all together playing juniors this year, they would have been awesome. They would have gone to the World Series and the World Juniors World Series here this year. Is it's that right? It's Kirkland, Kirkland yeah. every year, yeah. yeah. Oh, every year. So all oh, you have to that. all you have to do is win the district tournament. Yes, and, and you're in the and you're in the championship. So whoever wins District Nine, yeah. The district that hosts the World Series, you get right in. Yeah. Same same with majors. There was two yeah. North Carolina teams there, one that won the district tournament where Greenville is, yeah. and then the state champion for North Carolina. Right. You don't have to And he's state, the nicest guy in the world, oh, and he just yeah. said, he just kept on saying, too much drama. Couldn't keep them together. He might be drama. the nicest guy in the world. He's awesome. He's a super nice guy. He is. Yeah. And he actually thanked me. And when the super nice guys say too much drama. <laughs> right. See, I'm not then, just hothead because, me here. <laughs> because normally the, the super nice guys are so nice. Yeah. They they look beyond the drama because they're just right. so nice. Right. They're like uh, Lori, the receptionist at KJR. <laughs> Putting the hot cocoa packets in our mailboxes for Christmas. <laughs> 
<laughs> no one knows what we're talking about. I used to love that though. For Christmas, she would take hot cocoa from the cafeteria and put all the packets in our mailboxes and give it. They realize it's all you can drink. I could just go do that every day, right? But she was the world's nicest she person. She is, yes. And he's close second. He's very nice, yeah. But when you're so nice, you don't actually even see the drama. The drama is, right. is beneath you. But even he said, no, no, too much yeah. drama. It's over. Yeah, his daughter. That, that chapter of our lives is over, I think he said as we were walking out the door. The only thing that's sort of holding me back is that they could also play next year. So juniors, this would have been their first year in juniors, and then next year would be their second year. Oh. So they could technically all Come get back. the band back together next year. But and, the coach and the... Well, I mean, it would take a lot of, like, counseling sessions, I think. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it would take, but I don't know. Counseling sessions. I mean, he... he he's... Are there such a thing as little league counselors? Like, I hope so. I'm like look youth sports yeah. counselors? And he's There's right, though. Marriage counselors. <laughs> now you got your youth sports <laughs> yeah, counselors. That's right. Bringing but parents together. He's one of the one families the that I convinced to do All-Stars. Like, because I knew that if they could get everyone together, they'd be good. That's one of the families right there. Great example. Because they didn't want to give up their whole summer. And yeah. he's got three kids and they like yeah. Hawaii and you know so they they did it I badgered him into doing it and then they ended I'll up I'll tell going. you what you're gonna laugh at this okay tell them next year if they want to try uh-huh I'll coach them I have no skin in the game yeah no kid in the game no daughters no sons completely objective sweetheart of a fella I'll come out from under my desk I've coached baseball little league baseball I've coached basketball I've coached them all yeah. I'll coach the kids I'll coach the girls to a national championship and softball is and then easy I will quit cause... like Al McGuire and I'll <laughs> ride off into the sunset no pitch count really you can pitch every day I'll it's coach them yeah um... in between podcasts for the patrons I'll coach him. You don't, you don't want me as coach. It's not that. It's this that I don't know no that the, the best pitcher's dad is going to want that. The guy so who's do we been have coaching have, them. Do we have to have her or we, we can't win without her? She's your best pitcher and arguably the best hitter on the team. She's really good. Oh, that's a problem. So, yeah, you, you have to have her. You got to at least have all the starters. <sighs> She's the Luis Castillo. Yeah. Oh, how good is Luis Castillo? I know. Castillo? Is he not ridiculous? Like, did you watch on Sunday or did you not watch? Well, I was busy coaching Team Levine eighth grade girls to a to a victory. I'm one and zero on the spring session. Why so were far. you coaching them? Uh, Coaches the, out of town. Yeah, he, I think he had a seventh grade team he had to coach. So clearly, we're the I stepchild. I thought you were off this weekend. Uh, what do you mean off? I didn't think that the you know I thought it was vacation and just spring break. You would think so. We were a little light. We had to pick oh, up yeah. a couple kids, but yeah, yeah. hotshot coach one well, and zero, baby. There you go. You don't need me as a coach. Well, you should, you got to take the coaching away from a parent and just have somebody come in and coach. I don't disagree. I don't know how that's going to fly. No, but we got a year to work on it. Yeah, we got a year to work on it. I'll probably still be alive in a year. But <laughs> I don't know. Okay, fine. Luis Castillo. Yeah, I heard all about it and read about it, and yeah, what a beast. <sighs> Mariner fans Every are- single the guy is such money. He's got four pitches. They're all super. You know how most guys have four pitches and two of the one of them stinks. They don't use very much. Yeah. The third one is okay, and he's got two. Most of these guys have two really good pitches and mm-hmm. two. Every one of his pitches is great, and he throw he throws it wherever the hell he wants. He is just, and I hate to go overboard because you know the next time out right. is to start, he'll get pounded and everybody's saying it'll be the Levy jinx. And what, God, it's just a pleasure watching him. If Dave Sims would just shut the hell up about the perfect game through six, <laughs> we'd be in good shape. I love Dave Sims. But uh, man, that guy is yeah. great. The fact that they went out and got him God. last year. I the, mean, yeah. I mean, like whenever Mariner fans get pissed off, they didn't get a shortstop. They don't spend They went out and got a pretty damn good pitcher. They got him. 
and then they signed him before right. he became a free agent. So they did two things. There they went go. out and gave prospects to get him, and then they gave him the, yeah, you got to give him, I guess, a little bit of credit. Yes. Four starts, hot shot, a 0.73 ERA. Opponents are hitting 131 against him. Yeah. He's just like, give me the ball every fifth day, and you guys are either going to win or we're going to lose because of the bullpen. Right. Or because the offense doesn't score, which almost happened on <laughs> yeah, Sunday. Yeah, it almost did. But but the guy is just an ace in every sense of the word. So funny. I love the guy. I heard a I, – I wish I was, wasn't was driving. I would have written it down. But they were talking about he's a pretty elite club as far as first four starts go for pitchers. Oh, I didn't – I'm sure with those numbers. Like yeah. uh, under one ERA, 25-plus strikeouts, God. under like four and less walks – it's like him, 08 Cliff Lee. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I remember Cliff Lee getting off to some great I mean, it's starts. It's pretty yeah. crazy company that he's in as far as first And then the four. cherry on top is his personality. I don't know if anybody really knows mm. about him and his personality. He just has this almost happy-go-lucky thing about him. They they show him, and I don't know. I'm sure other people notice this. It's kind of minutiae, and I happen to... I, I, you know, lop onto these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He comes off the mound. You know how they, did you, you know that they now, the umpire randomly, I don't think it's every inning, checks the pitcher at the end of the inning as they walk back. They ask yep. him to take their glove off yeah, and they yeah. look at their hand. He takes his hat. And, and the way he does, they always show that for some reason with him, yeah. with most guys, they go to commercials. The commercial break starts. You don't really see it. Yeah. For some reason, every time he pitches, Root Sports stays just long enough <laughs> to show the whole interaction between him and the, the umpire coming down the line, yeah. him smiling, <laughs> taking his hat off, yeah. putting his hand. It's just it's beautiful. And it's like a love. It's like this lovely. He's just in a, a great mood. Yeah. The guy is just everything you'd want. I mean, he's everything you would want on your team. And when, everything. When you make it to the playoffs or a big series, it's nice knowing you have an ace you oh can throw out God. there, don't you? Well, they have a few, I think. Yeah, but you look this you guy legit is, have like a legit ace oh. starter. Forget it. He's the best pitcher on oh. the team. Yeah, so fun. And the other reason that they won on Sunday and swept the Colorado Rockies, Are let's you, call him the <laughs> left fielder who played right field on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. We won't use his name. He's still not doing that. Got the big hit. Yep. And then made the big catch. Did you see the catch? I heard about the catch, yeah. The catch saved. The, the, the hit gave him the lead, one nothing. They couldn't get in a run across. The hit gave him the lead with yeah. two outs. And then with two outs and guys all over the base paths, he makes the catch to save the lead. And he's off to a pretty decent start after that. After we made fun of everybody who got excited about spring training. Spring yeah. training. Right. What is that? Best shape of his life. He got a new swing. You yeah. Know, yeah. I, I don't want to say too much, but uh, he's got a little 10-game hit streak. Yeah. I don't want to say too much, but he happens to be number one in the American League in slugging percentage. Don't want to say too much, but he <laughs> happens to be number two in the American League in OPS on base plus slugging. He truly, as of the moment, as we record this now, he's due for an 0 for 42. Yeah. But as of the moment that we record this, he's truly one of the stories in all of Major League Baseball through 60. It's <sighs> unbelievable the turnaround so far, but shh, still not going to use his name. Even though people said they caught me a couple times on some of the patron shows, I slipped and I may have used his name without knowing. 
Left fielder. I call him the left fielder. On one of the postgame interviews, they were asking, I think it was Cal Raleigh, if, if Kelnick's having fun. He always looks so serious, you know, and he said he is having fun. Don't yeah, worry. He's yeah. smiling after games and he's having a good time, but yeah. he looks so serious out there so all the time. So damn serious. I, I know. It's God. crazy. But, so he's probably he not... needs a little Luis Castillo <laughs> is what he needs. He needs a little Julio, Julio Rodriguez. Right. My yeah. God. So fun. But, but there have been some cutaways now, some film or footage of Kelnick out in the outfield, like fooling around and yeah. you know you want to see a little of that from him anyway this team just feels like they enjoy each other they like having fun they do the dumb dance at the end where they and get they're the 500 circle. again they got made their way back to 500 yeah. quick question for you yep you think they'll ever be under 500 the rest of the season? <laughs> god <laughs> that that shit storm again have you been watching at all major league baseball on the new sh- uh, pitch clock do you like the new pitch clock do you not like the new where are you on that? Do you not have any kind of a opinion on it? I think it's kind of throwing my 40-plus year rhythm of baseball because I'll be like, okay, I have to go do this, but I'm going to be home, and I'll be able to watch this much of the game. Right. Hey, it's the seventh inning all of a sudden. Like, right. Like, it's, it's kind of throwing me off. but it's I, going so fast? Yes. But I, I can't People say like I don't like People who like to buy it. beer, I guess, are getting... I have that story. Oh, you do? Uh, yeah. Well... It's just going so fast. You go out to the concession stand to get a hot dog. You come back and three innings have been played. Right. So I don't know whether it's affecting. It's probably impacting negatively concession sales. Correct. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. To, for stadiums and the vendors and less time for fans to buy beer. So to combat that, at least four teams, the Diamondbacks, Rangers, Twins, and Brewers, have extended alcohol See, sales through the eighth I got inning. a question about that. Okay. I thought that the reason that we stopped it in the seventh, I'm not a drinker, so maybe you can help me with You're this. You're not? No, not really. Except if you give me a nice sun-kissed orange, oh, zero de- sugar. Delicious. Refreshing. Go ahead, take Hold a on. hit. Mm. A little vanilla ice cream in that. Like an orange <laughs> soda with vanilla. Have you ever had an orange soda with vanilla ice cream in it? Yeah, I've heard of a creamsicle before, yes. Oh. Delicious, yes. Anyway, um, what was I going to say? What were we talking about? You thought about? the... Re- You're not a oh, drinker. Oh, you oh, yeah, I have reason. a question about that. Yeah, yeah. I thought the reason that we cut off drinking in the seventh was because we didn't want people to drink right before they left Correct. and got into cars. So by extending it to the closer to the end of the game, aren't we defeating the purpose? Aren't we now giving people a chance to have one last beer before they get behind the wheel? I don't want to laugh. Yeah. People are dying every single day. Why are we doing that? Why are we allowing people to drink so close to when they get behind the wheel? That's I do, my question. I do know what you're saying, but I think the math on it kind of works out the same. So if how if, do you figure if you if you stop at what before the seventh? Yeah, it used to be about two hours, right? That's two thirds of the game would be two hours. Yeah. So now I think two hours is getting us into the eighth as opposed to the seventh. So I think it, I think the time still works yeah, but out. I'm talking about you're talking about the time that had elapsed. Yeah. To the, I'm the amount of time about the people t- have to booze. Yes. No, I'm yeah. talking about the amount of time <laughs> between yeah. the last beer and them getting up. And if it's really fast now and yeah. we let them go to the eighth and the eighth and ninth take no time, they're literally sipping their beer as they're starting their cars. I don't and think that can't a, be a very good thing. I don't think it's a perfect system, but they got to no, figure out how to no, recoup some of that beer nothing, money somehow. Nothing perfect in this world. Huh? No, and there sure isn't. No. So the, the umpires, I don't know if you know this, but the umpires are really policing this thing. Obviously, Major League Baseball said to the umpires before we start, it's kind of like the NFL when they change a rule, they come out like in not only the exhibition year, but the beginning of an NFL season. Yeah. They're like overcompensated. Right, right. Yeah. So clearly Major League Baseball has said to these umpires, okay, we're implementing a clock and we want you to to penalize these guys. If a batter's not in there looking at the pitcher, 
call a strike on him. If a pitcher lets it go to zero, yeah. bam, hop out, hop out from behind home plate and call. My favorite story, my favorite story is the Cody Bellinger story. Do you know the Cody Bellinger no, story? Me. Do you know who Cody Bellinger is? Yeah, I do. So Cody Bellinger now plays for the Cubs. Yep. He was at one time a, a hot shot prospect, I think rookie of the year, helped the Dodgers maybe win a world champion. He was big for the Dodgers. Dodger fans love him, but he's on the Cubs now. Mm -hmm. So the Cubs go to play Los Angeles this past week, okay. and Cody Bellinger returns to Dodger Stadium for the first time as a member of an opposing team. Oh, God. The ladies and gentlemen, now batting the, the first baseman, number 35, Cody Bellinger. The place starts going crazy right. to show him the love for being a Dodger. And he gets up, and they're going crazy, and he's waving to the oh, no. waving his helmet to the crowd, and the umpire goes, strike one! <laughs> there's just no, there's no human element to it, huh? He's like, no. what? Oh, that's awesome. They gave him a strike. So not only did Dodger <laughs> fans get a chance to applaud him, but yeah, they got yeah. a strike on him. They heard him. On the, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. I didn't he got know that. he literally got a strike as he was waving to the crowd amazing. to say thank you very much. They were not having any, not taking any of his shit. Keep cheering, keep <laughs> cheering. We'll strike this guy out. Before he knew it, it was zero and one, and he hadn't even gotten in the batter's box. Amazing. Yet. That's really funny. But no, you're right. They, again, yeah. they 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 do want the officials to really really go over. Like don't don't make jerks out of us here, but come up with a new rule that's never enforced. Right. Enforce this thing. Come on. Don't make right. us look stupid. Right. Like Polly says to Henry Hill and Goodfellas, don't make a fucking jerk out of you, okay? <laughs> That's what the commissioner is saying to the umpires. Don't make a jerk out of me, oh, all right? Oh, God. I've got a lot of the other stuff. I've got the three interviews. I think people will get a kick out of some of the interviews. I was going to hold this, this survey that I read. There was something called Water Filter Guru that did a survey okay. about personal hygiene in America. Uh-oh. You're looking at me for some reason. And I didn't know whether I should hold this for the other stuff segment. Or whether I should do it now and get it out of the way. But I saw some some fairly interesting stats that came out of this survey. Okay. 1,000 people surveyed about their personal hygiene habits at Water Filter Guru. It turns out, Hotshot, that nearly a quarter of the people, that's 250 out of 1,000, if you want the math. Sure. Wash their genitals in the sink. <laughs> God. Now, survey says. I can't even understand how you do. How do you? You have to show great flexibility. How do you do that? Well, you got to be taller than 5'8", first of all. That's, that's, that's your problem. 5'9", whatever you are. You got to be a little taller. Even if you're taller. Yeah, see, I don't. Does it, that, that, that seems very uncomfortable. Why do people? I never. I, I, I wouldn't have thought that I would have thought zero out of 1000 right. people, 250 people out of a thousand, a quarter of them wash their genitals in the sink. I can't even visualize how you do that. How, how do you get underneath the, I mean, what do you, you do? Get like a washcloth maybe in the sink? Yeah, I don't know. But if, if you just look to the left, there's a shower. It's got full, full room. So, for the whole so body. that number was too That's high. Bizarre, yeah. That was way too high. This number is actually, I thought was kind of low. Okay. Only three out of every 10 or 300 of a thousand say they pee in the shower. Wait, so how many? Three out of 10, 300, uh, only 30% wow, of those surveys. That's low, yeah. I thought everybody peed in the shower. Yeah, I thought so too. So I thought nobody washed their genitals in the sink. <laughs> yeah. And I thought everybody peed in the shower. I'm all, I'm all out You'd of it. You'd be bad at this And then there game. came, and then, and then this one, this is the. <laughs> <laughs> this one knocked you for a loop, did it? Go on. See, I, I, I try to visualize and figure out one out of every 10 poo in the shower. <laughs> oh, God.
Yeah. That seems a little high still for me. <laughs> a little high? It, Who would do that? I don't know. I mean, maybe an accident or something would count. But yeah, just to... Oh, that is the most disgusting, revolting awful. thing I've ever heard. Unless you're Andre the Giant and you're in a hotel room in Japan that's tiny and you have to do it over the bathtub like he used to have to. Other than that, you have no excuse to do More that. details from this survey. It seems that more people are choosing to find alternatives to shampoo hmm. to clean their hair. I didn't know this. More than half have used something other than shampoo at some point. 500 of 1,000 at some point have used other things besides shampoo, like yeah. egg yolks, baking soda, <laughs> lots of stuff from the kitchen, apparently oh, really? has been tried to just shampoo <laughs> and then this one the shower seems to be a place for people to multitask too 37 percent of men that were surveyed confessed to video chatting while in the shower okay. at some point i'll pass women on the other hand were more likely to either brush their teeth in the shower which makes sense yeah or pee in the shower i didn't know that women were more peers in the showers than men but i would have thought men were me but, too yeah but i used to brush my teeth men in are the more shower disgusting than women so by no. far just go in the restrooms um i used to brush my teeth in the shower when i did mornings yeah you know any any minute you can save in the morning is huge so i tried to multitask in the shower and brush my teeth but that's still kind of gross right but you could have done some of these other things in the shower to multitask to save time too. I hope you didn't do the one thing or <laughs> no. the number or the number two thing or whatever. I'm not an whatever. animal. No, I did okay. not do so that. So I wanted to get this out of the way oh. before we get to the other stuff segment. Getting because it. I felt like if I if I led the other stuff segment off with this, yeah. that I'd be disgusted in delivering all the other <laughs> other stuff. I'm glad you got this out of the way. Thank you. Uh, three uh, three interview segments and then uh, the other stuff segment on episode two thirty five. Hey, look who's back with us. It's Katie Versio, Director of Financial Planning, Evergreen Golf Call, in their new offices. How's everything going over there, Katie? We're all doing well, Mitch. Thanks for having me today. And I understand that we're going taxes on our pop quiz. That's right. So we are actually talking specifically today about the new proposed Washington State capital gains tax. Ah. In 2021, the state enacted a new tax on long-term capital gains that were effective starting 2022. Question number one for you is what percentage is that taxed? So if you have a capital gain, what percentage is it going to be taxed at from the state? Is it 3%, 5% or 7%? It's either 5 or 7. I'll go 5%, Katie. It's actually 7%. <laughs> You're taxed at the federal level, either at 0%, 15%, or 20%, depending right. on your, your tax rate. But then additionally, Washington State will take another 7%. I don't like that. I don't like that news. What's question number two? The good news is that not all capital gains are subject to the 7% tax. Specifically, real estate is excluded from this. Right. So whether it's a personal residence or an investment property, you don't have to worry about the 7% at this point from that. Additionally, it's only if you have a specific dollar amount of capital gains. So if you make below this dollar amount in capital gains for a given year, you don't have to pay the 7% tax. But if it's above this amount, you are subject to that tax. What is that amount? Is it $100,000, $250,000, or $500,000? And this is additional to the federal tax that you'll be charged on capital gains. It's either 250 or 500. I'll go the big one, 500. 
actually two hundred and fifty thousand. So let's say you sold stock and you made three hundred thousand dollars in twenty twenty two. Fifty thousand dollars above the two fifty, that would be subject to the seven percent tax. Understood. Which makes me oh for two. I have one last shot. Give me a true or false question, would you, Katie, please? <laughs> All right. I got you with number three here. All right. So right now, the state Supreme Court started hearing arguments just at the end of January of 2023 to determine if this tax is constitutional. So true or false, if you had capital gains in excess of $250,000 in 2022, you will not have to pay the tax until they determine if it's constitutional. Is that true or false? Well, that makes sense. That makes sense that you shouldn't have to pay it until we find out the ruling from the court. So I'm going to say true. Please tell me it's true. Unfortunately for you and for anyone that has gains above that $250,000, it's false. The courts uh, came out in the last few months and said, if you did have these gains, you will be subject to pay by April. There's a special website that you have to go to log this information. It seems like quite the cumbersome process here, and we're still figuring out what that all means for everyone in the state. So if you have questions about it or are curious if this applies to you, please reach out to us at evergreengk.com to schedule a consultation and learn more. And of course, if it's ultimately ruled unconstitutional, Katie, you'll get that money back. That's right. Evergreengk.com. I don't want to mention that I was 0 for 3. Uh, I thought I was on a roll these last few quizzes. Don't forget Evergreen Golf Call, a terrific partner of Mitch Unfiltered. And once again, it's great to be joined by John Waterstrat, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions, always a great sponsor, title sponsor of our Beat the Boys competition. John, how are you? Doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Another football season is in the books, and we know football season is synonymous with fireplaces and Fireside Home Solutions, but still some cold and damp months ahead, John. Yep, there is definitely some cold, damp months ahead, and there's no better time to buy than these couple months. Uh, February seems to always have a little bit of rain and we're getting those cold weathers. Our, our lead times are down. We want you to get those products into your home and keep you nice and cozy and warm. And also we have some great discounts coming. Soup to nuts. What's the time frame now? So right about two weeks. Installers are getting a little bit of our lead times down. So two weeks, we can get that product right into your house and no better time than now. Allow me, John, to ask you the question I asked our other partners. How was 2022 for Fireside? The good and the challenges. What would you say? Oh, if I've looked back on that, you know, stock definitely being one of those big issues that we had. But again, we, we were blessed with just great customers and being able to get those fireplaces in and be able to stock products that we needed to and people being patient with us and uh, really thankful to have a great year this year. So if you could snap your fingers and accomplish a few specific goals in 2023, besides your Seahawks winning the Super Bowl, what would they be for Fireside Home Solutions, John? Five star service to all our customers, but most importantly is keep our lead times down. You know, we want to be able to help as many customers as we can out there. And lead times are important, you know, to get through customers, just like if you're at any kind of restaurant or anything, you want to be able to get to those customers as soon as possible. And like I said, I think stock will be better this coming year. We want to keep our lead times down so we can accomplish a lot next year. I can genuinely say that Mitch Unfiltered would not be where we are four and a half years later without our terrific sponsor, John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions, literally the title sponsor of every 
every audience contest that we do on the podcast. So begin your search for a new fireplace at firesidehomesolutions.com. Unfiltered. Where he's a Pete of that one towards right field. They're going to call it a home run. It's Avatar Park 1 nothing. Brady Ware will trot around the bases. Dawson waves the ball, catches it, and the side is tired. Brady Ware not only hits the cycle today, he gets the no hit shutout complete game as well. So you may have heard about our next guest on this episode 235 of Mitch Unfiltered. He had a fairly decent day at the old ballpark last Friday. Division II, University of Indianapolis, beats Drury University. I can't say that school's name. In the second game of a doubleheader, 13 to nothing. You know what? Let's have Brady Ware tell you what he did. How are you, Brady? Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. You better be doing great. <laughs> Tell everybody what you did. Well, uh, in that game, I uh, hit a hit for the cycle and threw a no hitter in the same game. That's all. That's, yeah, that's all. it. Nothing big. Did you drive? The, did you drive the bus home back to the? Uh, to the well, we were actually at home, so that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I told our producer that I wanted a guy who hit for the cycle and threw a perfect game. Not one of these no hitters. I mean, you, I, I'm being told that you walked five guys. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I had a tough time finding the strike zone a couple times. So, you know, it could have been a little bit better of a game, but, you know, it's still pretty good. Your world must have been turned upside down the last week. Texts, interviews, attention. Has it been fun? Has it been annoying? Has it been a distraction? What's it been like for you? Um, it's been a little stressful, especially, you know, the whole student athlete aspect of the whole thing, but I think it's been a blast. You know, I, I'd much rather be doing this in school. So I got to make sure I get my, my school stuff done in the background as well. Well, wait a second. You're a graduate student who transferred from a, from a California NIAA. What kind of schedule, what kind of school schedule do you have? I mean, the, the schedule in itself is not too bad, but you know, it's getting close to the end. So we got some assignments coming up and, you know, just some stuff to get done. How many texts, how many interviews, how much attention, what's been the coolest bit of attention espn actually i would say uh yesterday i was on the pat mcafee show and i think that was oh okay how many texts have you gotten when you went back to your phone uh on that night what was it a friday night wasn't it second game of a doubleheader on friday night when people started to hear what happened how many texts did you get yeah i mean right away it was pretty pretty calm and then i think right when the uh, espn and mlb notifications came out i started getting texts from people i haven't heard from and you know, who knows how long. So I think it was, it was pretty cool. Did you get back to everybody or no? I tried to. You know, some, <laughs> of my, some of my buddies from my school last year were, uh, were giving me some crap for not getting back to him right away. But I tried to get back to everyone. Have you heard from Shohei Otani yet? Oh, I wish. No, I, I DM'd him on Instagram, but I got nothing back from him. <laughs> Have you heard from Babe Ruth yet? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'll be hearing from him. All right. So tell everybody a little bit about you. You're a lefty hitter and a lefty pitcher, right? Correct. A cycle and a no hitter in the same game. Do we have any knowledge of whether this ever has happened before in college baseball? To my knowledge and everyone who I've talked to, I don't think it's ever happened before. And which one of those makes you more proud, the cycle or the no hitter? Uh, definitely the no hitter. I think the kind of telling people like the cycle is it's a cool accomplishment, but like if I would have went up in my last at bat and hit another home run, you know, you know, statistically, I would have had a better day, but being able to throw for the no hitter, I think every pitcher 
doesn't matter if you're in little league or college or MLB. That's everyone's dream as a pitcher. Am I allowed to disagree with you on this? Yeah, you can disagree with me. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this. Let's debate this a little bit. You walked five guys in the no hitter, and it was a seven inning no hitter because in college baseball, when they play double headers, you guys play seven inning games, right? Yeah. You hit for the cycle in a seven inning game. How many at bats did you get? I only got four, so four okay. for four. So you're four for four. You hit for the cycle in a seven-inning game. You only get four appearances. I'll bet you guys who normally hit for the cycle in any kind of game probably get five, six, maybe even seven plate appearances because it's a wild and crazy game. You got four. You hit for the cycle. Your no-hitter, and I don't want to, I don't want you to hang up on me, but your no-hitter was a seven-inning no-hitter with five walks. Now, in Major League Baseball history, do you know the answer to this question? Have there been more no-hitters? Or cycles hit in Major League Baseball? I have the answer. Trivia question for you. No hitters. 339 cycles. 318 no hitters. So less Okay. Less no hitters, but very, very close. Close. So if you said to me, Mitch, which of my accomplishments is more impressive to you? I think I'd go cycle on Friday night just because okay. of the extenuating. Story. Now, what's interesting is you might think of yourself more of a, as a pitcher than a hitter. See, I don't know that in your uh, history as a baseball player. When you, look uh, at- I would say the the other way. Oh, it is. I the think other of way. myself more of a hitter. Yeah, you do. Okay. So, but still the but still the no hitter. So it's the it's the fifth inning. From what I understand. You homer and triple in one inning, in the second inning. In your first two at-bats, you get the two hard ones out of the way, the homer and the triple. Yep. And then you double in the third. So you've got the homer, triple, and double checked off the box after the third inning. You come up in the fifth inning needing a single. Did you know? You must have known at that point, all I do, all I need here is a single. But you also have a no-hitter going. Yeah, I definitely knew. My uh, my coach came up to me before the at-bat, and I mean, it was the fifth inning, and he I don't even know if he was really thinking about the no-hitter, but he kind of came up to me, and he goes, I know you want to kind of hit for the cycle, but you know, if you hit a ball off the wall, you got to get on two. We don't want to really be disrespectful here, but yeah, you know, in my mind, I definitely wanted to you know, trip and fall on first base or something like that. <laughs> so... If they say you want to avoid a pitcher who's in the middle of a no-hitter in the dugout, you want to let him be, what do you do with a guy who's got a no-hitter and a cycle going? Do you do you change dugouts? You let him be the only guy in the dugout? You go into the clubhouse? What do you do? I mean, that's a guy, if you ever wanted to avoid a guy, that's the guy to avoid, right? Yeah, well... It's different. I mean, as a hitter, you know, between every time I come back in from pitching, you know, I'm talking to the guys about the pitcher out there and all that stuff. So, you know, guys were talking to me. Our athletic trainer actually came in. I came in in the fourth inning. I think that's the first walk I had. And I was a little bummed. I was like, man, I didn't, I shouldn't have walked that guy. Right. And he goes, it's all right. You haven't given up a hit yet. And I looked at him and I was like, come on, man. (laughs) You struck out 11 and seven innings. Yeah. You had the changeup. They, I read something about your signature changeup. You had your signature. Brady had a signature changeup going. <laughs> Tell me about the signature changeup. How do you throw it? Let me teach my kid. I got a, I got a junior in high school who likes to pitch a little bit. What, what? How do I teach him to throw it? Well, I, I call it the. It's called the Fosh. Is the way I call it. It's the what? Called the Fosh. The Fosh. What's yeah? The, what I don't know. That? My pitching coach just gave it that name, and it's basically a split change. Okay. But that's my go-to pitch. You know, I can throw it whenever I want and 
you get some swings and misses or throw it in the zone, you know, whatever I need with it, but it's my favorite pitch to throw. How do you grip it? Like, uh, here, I have a baseball right here. Yeah, I don't know me. if I'm on video here, it's okay. but you're on with me. Who cares about the audience? The audience doesn't, <laughs> doesn't care. I basically split my, my first two fingers and right. kind of throw it like that. And I just throw it as hard as I can, like a fastball. And it dives. Yeah. Sometimes it'll kind of go more side to side, but you know, I try to get, you know, more depth on it. And a little what, more drop on it. And what's the difference in speed between your fastball and that pitch? I'd say like 10 to 12 miles an hour. Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. How many of the, 11, the, how many of the 11 strikeouts did you get with it on Friday night? I'd say probably like seven or eight of them. Really? Yeah. Wow. How many pitches did you throw in the seven-inning no-hitter? I threw 113. So those five walks definitely bumped up the pitch count a little bit. Okay, so let's go back to the conversation. 113. Let's assume it was a nine-inning game. Would you? Uh, would your manager have had you or your coach had you out there in the eighth and ninth at 113 pitches, Brady? Be honest now. See, I don't know because uh, be I wasn't even. <laughs> I wasn't even supposed to go more than 60 in that that outing. In oh, you weren't. Okay, so the answer is no. The answer. I don't know. The answer is seven inning no hitter would not have been an eight or a nine inning no hitter. See, that goes back to my point about the cycle. I'm definitely now voting for the cycle. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I've thrown a hundred and 140 is the most I've ever thrown in an outing. So I think I could have done it, but I don't know if they would have let me. What'd you eat? What was your pregame meal? And I hope you never eat anything else, but before any game that you either hit or pitch or do both in what'd you have? Well, if we go back to the morning, yep. we were supposed to be at the field at eight 45. Yeah. And my alarm clock, I guess I snoozed it or something. Uh -oh. So I got up at about 8.40. <gasps> so I got to the field about 15 minutes late. And then between our batting practice, I rushed over to Wendy's. Got, got me some Wendy's breakfast. Love Wendy's. NIL deal. Are I know. I, I've been reaching out to him on Twitter. Nothing from Wendy's either. Come on. What's going on? Would you have at Wendy's? I didn't even know that Wendy's does breakfast. Would you have at Wendy's on the way, like drive through on the way? Between batting practice and, uh, you know, the rest of our warmups, I had a... Uh, it was like the classic bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich. NIL, baby! Yeah. And I've been a big, big Frosty guy for the last couple of years. Yeah, what so kind do you that's get? That's kind of the, you go to the vanilla combo? Frosty. Oh, oh vanilla, vanilla Frosty. Vanilla Frosty. Yeah. Right, so the bacon, egg, and cheese, and the vanilla Frosty, and what what happens? You throw no hitters and, and hit for the cycle in the same game. How is that? If, if you're not getting an NIL deal out of this thing, nobody should be getting an NIL deal. <laughs> I want Wendy's to reach out. I love the love the Frosties. Love their breakfast too. I think they have the best breakfast of uh, any fast food place. So tell me about you. you. You're an as I said, you're an NAIA graduate, a California native. You had an extra year of of baseball eligibility. You obviously grew up loving and playing the game. So you decided to go all the way to Indianapolis. How do you end up in Indianapolis? And what's this? Obviously, the year's been great now. Uh, what's it like? What's it like being a graduate student playing baseball on the Division Two basis? Um, you know, it was a interesting experience getting out here because it was about three weeks before the season. Uh, we had a situation; they basically let go all of our coaches at my last school. Oh, and luckily, my pitching coach, awesome guy, I love him. He uh, knew the pitching coach out here at UND. He kind of set us up and got us, me and uh, two other teammates, out here with like three weeks' notice before the season. And then just, just coming out here, you know, a whole new group of guys. But, you know, Division Two versus NAIA, it's been a blast. I mean, Indy's definitely a big change, but I'm glad I got out of the house and got to experience a new place. Yeah. You've got great numbers. You're hitting in the 300s, obviously. Hitters only hitting the 100s against you when you're on the mound. 
What's next for a guy like Brady Ware? Is there a path to play more baseball? Or are you of the of the mindset, you know, I've had a great run. It's been fun. It's time to do something else in my life. I mean, I've always wanted to keep playing. Um, that's the goal. Going into this year, my you know my main goal was just let's focus on the year. You know, see how far we can get as this team. I think we got a good team, so I kind of want to focus on this as long as possible. And if any opportunities come up after this, and hopefully get into something, you know, maybe some independent ball or maybe you know get signed by a, a big league team. But kind of just figure it out after after we get as far as we can this year. And if it's not baseball, what will it be for Brady? Well, I'm studying teaching right now, but you know, my main thing, I love coaching. Coaching is oh, my, sure. My thing. I, you know, I, I love being around the game of baseball. So hopefully I can stay around baseball and coach as long as possible. Not too shabby to have this story to tell. Yeah, seriously. Your 15 minutes of fame. Now, is there a lot of video of this? I only saw a couple of clips here and there, like distant. Is there phone video of, of you either hitting for the cycle or the no hitter or both? You know, we had the the video from the like school broadcast. Um, I think that's the most of the clips that have been out there. And other than that, you know, a couple of the parents got like the reactions after the last pitch. But I think that's pretty much been it. You know, not not too much video back behind it. And when's the next sausage, egg and cheese? Uh, well, it's bacon, egg and cheese. <laughs> oh, sorry. Bacon, egg and cheese. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want to get the sausage one. Bacon's way better. <laughs> when's the next one? Um, I mean, we got what? Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I'll probably be starting on on Saturday. I'll have to get me another one of those for sure. Maybe what, two of them. How many games have you played since the uh, since the no no and the cycle in the same game? We played two. We had one more against Drury that weekend, and then we played last night. Had a unbelievable game last night. What'd you do in the next game against Drury? <laughs> how'd you? How'd you? I was, uh, because you know what they say. I'm a golfer. I don't know. Are you a golfer? Probably a left handed golfer. A little bit. You know what they say. A guy who shoots 62 or 63. He inevitably shoots about seventy-five the next day on tour. They never can. Yeah. They never can follow up a sixty-two or sixty-three with anything special. How did you follow up? No, no, and cycle. Uh, I think my first at bat, I walked on like four pitches. Like they didn't really want to throw to me. But after uh, that, I, th- I was over three, and we were losing in the last inning, and I was a bit frustrated because I hit <laughs> probably one of the hardest balls I've ever hit in my life with oh, two guys on. Right at and- somebody. Right at the first baseman, he tagged first for a double play. Oh. I think if it would have gotten down the line, it, it could have changed the game. We might have been able to come oh. back. And You're a washed-up has-been after that, for God's yep. sake. <laughs> Time to retire. What a great story. What a great story. Everybody knows about it now. Everybody's writing about it. You seem like a hell of a nice guy with a great head on your shoulders. Brady Ware, a no-no, a seven-inning no-no, and a uh, hitting for the cycle in the same game. There is no record of this ever happening in baseball before. College or pro, right? Never never happened. Minor league baseball. I don't even know if it's happened in Little League. By the way, I was going to ask you, what's your greatest... If if this game had never happened, okay? And let's say this season ended, and you decided to go into coaching, and your baseball playing days were over. And I said to you, what's the game? Little League college, high school, what's the game or performance or accomplishment you recall most vividly, you would have said what before this? I think uh, a couple of years ago, I had a game where I hit a foul ball and broke my coach's windshield. <laughs> and he was kind of, you know, clearly pretty mad at me. And after that, I ended up hitting two home runs. And the last one was a walk-off home run to win the game. Same game? So, in the same game, yeah. Oh. So 
uh, he was uh, not very mad at me after that, but that's one you can't forget either. That's a beauty. That's a beauty. Hey, keep doing it. Brady, thank you so much for joining us on Mitch Unfiltered. You're a great guy. Congratulations on an incredible accomplishment. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me on. Hey, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler, Lindsay Schwartz, is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered. How's everything over there at Daniel's, Lindsay? And how'd the Bourbon Bash go? 11th annual Bourbon Bash. Hey, Mitch. Yeah, things are going great. That's right. It was the 11th annual Bourbon Bash, which is it's so much fun. At Daniel's Bellevue, we bring in whiskeys from all over the world. Largest collection west of the Mississippi. We had a great crowd, great food, great bourbon. It's the biggest event that we do every year, and it's a lot of fun. That's nice. We reflect on another great event, the NCAA tournament, as we flip the calendar to April. Last time we gave out NFL awards to your menu items. I want to talk about seatings and regions. Four regions of the Daniels menu, all right? appetizers who would be the number one seed what appetizer is the number one seed on the menu i think we got to go with the teriyaki steak strips that's been on the menu since day one we are a steakhouse uh you can't go wrong with that i think that's everybody's favorite God, gotta go no it's gotta not go everybody's favorite my favorite is the bacon wrapped scallops can i get a two seed out of them or not i think we could do that I, <laughs> we could go with that for a two I'm good with that. All right, we know what the steak number one seed is. It's the MVP. It's the filet mignon. Let's uh, move over to seafood. The number one seeded seafood item on the Daniels menu. You know, we always have a really nice selection of seafood. We kind of rotate throughout the year seasonally with with what's fresh. But we always have salmon on the menu. And uh, right now we have king salmon. It's just killer. I think that's got to be the number one seed in the seafood region. And then comes the dessert region. Is this like the weakest region of the Daniels broiler menu or is it is it tough to see the desserts that are available? I think it's tough to see it. I think you have a lot of parity in that division. It's almost like <laughs> USC as as a 10 seed. Um, you know, you, you never know. It, it could, they could go a lot higher. So yeah, that's kind of what the dessert region reminds me of. But I'm going to go with with number one, the coconut fudge sundae. That's been a favorite for a long time. Okay. We line the bowl with fudge. We put coconut ice cream on top. It's so good. It's making me hungry just thinking about it right now. I think the Levy family would be pushing for the cookie and the skillet with the ice cream on top to be the number one seed. But we'll settle for a two seed for the cookie and the skillet. Don't touch the skillet. It's really Really hot. We love Daniel's Broiler. Daniel's Broiler during the NCAA tournament. Daniel's Broiler during the football season. Doesn't matter the season. Great for special occasions. And Daniel's Broiler is a world-class steakhouse. Unfiltered. It's so relaxing and we're going to games every single day, which that's what my brother and I love doing. So would I make it out? Any daily schnozzes there or nothing? I, I, am I, would I be safe? Would I get home? I'd say you'd get in, but you probably wouldn't get out. <laughs> <laughs> that's that would... how I would answer that. And and now I'm, I'm getting nervous on this, <laughs> on this call, so I don't know if, if they're monitoring who I'm talking to. I'm not sure that I can quantify my love for our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered. I've known him forever. Way back when Vinny called him Fruit Boy, I think I did better when I tagged him with Stretch, because people call him Stretch. They don't call him Fruit Boy anymore. 
He reminded me so much of Archie Bunker's buddy, Stretch Cunningham, and all in the family. James Cromwell, Stretchy, was the yeah, actor yeah. was the actor who played Stretch Cunningham. And you don't even know, you didn't even know when I named you Stretch who Stretch Cunningham was, did you? No, no, I had no idea. But on the other hand, it was 540 in the morning, so I had no idea what I was doing. So there was a lot. You said to the fish, oh, that looks like Archie Bunker's buddy, Stretch Cunningham. And he goes, oh, yeah, maybe. And I was just thinking, don't screw anything up. I've heard about this guy. Don't screw anything up. So I was more trying to just live through the moment. But yeah, no, I, yeah, he had the big nose. He was slight. I was probably 40 pounds lighter, if not more. So oh. yeah, I saw the resemblance. Oh, great resemblance. Last yeah. time we spoke, Stretchy. You were in, is it called Qatar? How do you pronounce the country? Yeah, it's a little, it's a Qatar. Yeah, Qatar. Yeah, Qatar. Yeah, I could never get it right. I was in Doha predicting Brazil winning the World Cup, and you were the first person to text me and say, boy, you're smart, or whatever you sent after they get beat. Uh, Yeah, I watched Brazil, I, I think Brazil, Korea, and then we got on the horn. And uh, yeah, that was a great World Cup. That yeah. was fun. You told me that guys with schnozzes like mine weren't welcome in Qatar <laughs> or Qatar. And you were very careful. Everything that you said on the phone, you were worried somebody might have been listening in on our conversation, right? Yeah, I was pretty sure that the government knew exactly where all of us were and what we were saying. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny how I remember things. And then, of you, of course, you remember things. Uh, but, yeah, you probably weren't welcomed in the country. <laughs> Uh, and who but, says I wanted to go? Nobody. Yeah, said that's I right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But, you know, looking back, what was great about what was so interesting? And we heard all these things about getting into the country. They didn't you didn't even talk to a human being. You put your passport down. You you uh, they looked at your app. A, a computer looked at your um, entry app. I'll yeah. just keep it simple. And they took a picture of you. And then it was like, come spend money. You know, oh. so they, they didn't care. And then they knew when you left. But uh, it was it was a it, it was a very good time. My brother and I had a blast as usual. And um, it was just kind of plasticky. There's not a lot of culture in Qatar. So mm. we're, we're looking obviously looking forward to the next World yeah. Cup. Yeah. Where's the next World Cup? Well, right here in the States. <laughs> it's, it's It should be pretty easy. Uh, uh, Canada, U.S. <laughs> and Mexico. But you knew that and you just baited how much, me in. How much did it cost you? How much did that trip cost you to Qatar? How did, it set, did it set you back a few bucks there, Stretch? Yeah, I could tell you exactly <laughs> what it cost me. Um, it cost me about $12,000. Oh, um, shit. The flight, well, no, no, no. Let's see. The flight, the flight was 2,600. Yeah. So let's say 2,500 and another 6,500 for hotel and tickets. Whoa. So that's nine. So it's an easy 10 grand. Um, But Germany was still more expensive because we just went nuts in Germany in 2006. But yeah, it was a 10 grand. But that's the other thing you know, the thought process is it's every four years. So you try to save, save a few dollars and you just plan on doing it. This next one's going to be expensive because the the ticket prices will be outrageous if you don't win tickets in the lottery. Yeah. So it, it'll be expensive, but and, it's worth it. It's, it's fun. Any chance we got the U S in Seattle or no, I think so. We, we talked about this way back in November. I mean, Seattle's not only a hotbed, but at the time it's going to be June, um, June, July, and the weather, the infrastructure here with the hotels, the um, the light rail, what is whatever it's going to be in the next three, four years, and and the proximity of the stadium, which is world class. I've been to some dumps, you know, Lumen Field is world class, and so. 
the proximity of everything, the downtown hotels to the stadium. Absolutely. The U.S. and other and some big boys. I don't think you're going to have Iran and, and Morocco here. I think you're going to have some good teams in Seattle. Better. And maybe moving forward, I think they, the very good possibility of a quarterfinal match, if not higher here, hmm. with the final being in either L.A. or New York. Should I go? Well, I think so. I, I, I just think you, I think so. But if you have to ask, I, I think you should go golfing. You, Wait, hold, you on, just, hold on, you should, hold on, hold on a second. You bring up golf because the last time you were on, you were in Qatar. Now this time you're still not in Seattle. You're in Palm Springs, California. You tell me, Mitchie, I'll be in Palm Springs at my, at my cousin's playing golf. And I remember vividly... <laughs> on the show, I would leave the show during the summer times at 10 a.m., 11 a.m., and go play golf, and I'd get that look, that stretch, that sh- match stretch Johnson look. Like, what is this golf thing? Like, you you dismiss golf, and now I can't keep you off the golf course. How did this well, happen? Please. Well, let's go back. Because <laughs> in, in 2002, when you would go golfing, at, you would leave the office at 10 12 a.m. I probably wanted like I wanted the opportunity to set up a recorded interview. So golf to me was getting in the way of me moving forward and and being productive. So I didn't care for golf at the time personally. And then I didn't care for golf professionally because it was you were like, yeah, no, I can't do Thursday. You know, I leave Thursday stretchy. I leave Thursday. Tuesday, I go to taco time. Wednesday, I go golfing. Thursday, I go to tup Tim Ty. I was like, how the hell am I supposed to succeed at this? And I wasn't trying to make excuses, but holy Now, hold shit. on a second. Yeah. Two out of those three, Taco Time and Tup Tim Ty, you were yeah. on the other side of the table with me, for God's sakes. What are you talking about? Well, I getting had a, to go. Getting a free meal. That's what you I, were doing. I had to go. I was forced to go to lunch and, and wolf down lunch. And Lord knows I probably couldn't have afforded lunch. So thank uh, you for picking up those lunches uh, and having uh, rice soup up at Terry's up at Tup Tim Thai. But uh, no, there was a thing about golf. It just got in my way. And probably I, I was mad at myself. I grew up as a caddy at Seattle Golf Club. And I was probably mad at myself for not taking advantage. They'd let you golf every week. And I never did. Oh. So I probably, it was just all negative. And now I can't get enough. I try to play at least once a week. Linwood Municipal, Jefferson, West Seattle, Jackson, because yeah. I live in Shoreline. Yeah. And now I'm I'm just we played yesterday. I can't wait to play today. I'm just I I'm just I love oh. it. And I'm I'm a bogey golfer, right? I'm 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 an 18, 17 handicap. So we're not lighting it up, but I just <laughs> I just love it. Like I had a drive yesterday and an approach yesterday, and then I three putted. <laughs> And, and so I just say to my cousin, I said, did you see my drive? You know, as we're getting in the cart, going to the next, you know, so it just, it's usually in shambles, but right. I just, I just love it. Uh, yeah. You t- I don't know where it changed. I don't know where it changed. I think, you know, our, our mutual friend, Steve Sandmeyer got me into it. He's a golfer. A couple other friends just said, come out. Who cares if you hit a one Oh five. And so that's what it was. It was like, yeah, if I, if I do crappy, I do crappy. So, I asked anyways. you on text how long before your round today are you leaving? And you told me you're leaving the the house, which is on the golf course, 15 minutes before your tea time. <laughs> and so I said to you, I guess you're not much of a warm-up guy. And your answer to me was, I don't need to warm up. I played yesterday. Yeah. I just need to stretch. And when you said the word stretch yeah. on your text – I had two very visceral reactions. First of all, your name is yeah. Stretch. And the second thing is, 
The last time you and I talked about stretching was a nightmarish situation about 15 or 18 years ago. Do you remember when you... You're so positive. Oh You're so God. positive. Okay. Well, we got to tell that yes. story. That story. So yes. I'm... I'm invited. I don't know who. I don't know why. Somebody says to me, Mitch, just about 15 or 18 years ago, come out to the Bellevue Club after your show. We're going to have a pickup game. We're going to play some basketball. And I hadn't played pickup basketball in a long time. And I said to you on the air, I said to you during the morning show, Stretchy, they want me to play pickup basketball. And I'm afraid of doing what, Stretch? Blowing out my Achilles. Blowing out my Achilles. And you said it, to me on the air, here's what I want you to do, Mitchie. After the, uh, what time is the game? And I told you the time of the game. And you said, okay, after the show in the bullpen, I'm going to teach you how to stretch. Yeah, because I was a semi-pro soccer player. <laughs> So all I kept on saying is, I swear to you, if I blow out my Achilles doing this, this is good. And you said, no, 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 I've got you covered. And after the, at 10 a.m., at 10.01 a.m., we went out in the bullpen. You gave me all these exercises that you mm -hmm. wanted me to do when yep. I got to the gym before I jogged onto the court. And you went through these very, very specific things with my Achilles that you wanted me to do. Yeah. So yeah. I go to the Bellevue Club. I get to a position where I'm a few minutes out from playing and I start going through the stretchy stretches mm -hmm. for, for my Achilles. And I'm doing it left. I'm doing it right. I'm doing it again and again and again because I'm petrified. I'm going to tear my Achilles. I'm going to end up in surgery and this is going to be the end as I know it. And mm -hmm. I go out on that court after stretching and within 45 seconds, what happened, Stretch? Evidently, you blew out your Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm yep. laughing. It was not no. a very funny story at the time. I blew out my Achilles literally 45 seconds after yep. the game started. I'm running down on a fast break on the wing. I don't have the ball. And all of a sudden, it feels like somebody tossed a ball from out of bounds and hit me in the back of the leg. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. what the hell? I was mad. I turned around. I was going to give somebody a piece of my mind for throwing a ball out in the middle of right. our game. And I turned around, and there was nothing there, nobody there. And yeah. then I realized I couldn't even move hardly. Down I went like a ton yeah. of bricks, ended up in the in the hospital, and a few, uh, a few days later, ended up in major... <laughs> ruptured Achilles surgery yeah at which time Rich Moore purple sheet Rich Moore was mad because it was Super Bowl time and I told him yeah. I couldn't go to the Super Bowl to do the show and he was very mad at me well that was well, well I don't know where to start that was my favorite memory because we went down to Jacksonville and you weren't there and it was softy and I forget who else and it was the easiest Super Bowl week I'd ever worked <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm very sorry. Obviously, you didn't stretch your Achilles properly. That was the other one. You, you didn't stretch properly. And, uh, boy, I was on the soccer field once, and my buddy's Achilles tore, and he did the same thing. He went down, and he said, who kicked me? That's right. And I thought, uh-oh, same thing. He oh. thought someone kicked him, and he went God. down, and we had to help him off the help him off the field. But yeah, you didn't stretch properly. You blamed it on me. I remember you trying to get up the stairs. You're like, I need help up the stairs. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Take the elevator. The ele <laughs> Remember one morning the elevator wasn't working 
down on, down on Elliot. And I had to come like, I don't know, supervise you and getting up the stairs, which was, it, it did look painful as I'm laughing, but yeah, that was late 2004, 2005. Cause then I went to Jacksonville and just had a party. <laughs> Because Mitch uh, wasn't there. Mitch, wasn't, yeah, Mitch there. wasn't there. And I flew from Jacksonville to Minnesota uh, to to Vegas to watch the Super Bowl because you weren't there. I just took off oh, that Friday. But God. yeah, unfortunately, it just didn't work out for you. Um, <laughs> and and you didn't do it yet. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you didn't stretch properly. You should have paid me to come to the gym and oh, help you God. as a trainer. And you would have been that guy. But Not good. Not, yeah. not but, but back good. to the, so my cousin lives on the course. So you just take the cart and you go right to the first and so we'll just do i'll do a little stretching my my hips and my my back especially and we'll just jump on the course so you just the first three holes are you know you just throw them away and because we'll go golfing tomorrow stretchy how, how long are you going to be in palm springs stretchy. uh it's five days total okay till uh tuesday late afternoon and you play golf every yeah. day stretching we're going to maybe, um, you know, we probably might not tomorrow. There'll be a pool. Day. I mean, it's 85, 88 here. So oh, there might be a pool day, nice. but yeah. you know, we'll do it until we're tired of it. Hey, and, stretchy. Did I see that you were in Reno, Nevada for the NCAA basketball tournament? Did I see that right? Yeah. Yeah. And I, uh, frustrated my friends cause I pulled a stretchy move. I actually left Thursday morning before the tournament started. I got down there Tuesday night. I had two big nights in Reno. So I thought, you know, that was enough for me. So oh. I made, uh, I made some bets and they came home Thursday at one. Why'd you do so, that? Well, I had enough. I had enough. Oh. I, I had you lost yeah. some money at that point. No, or? you know, what's funny is I actually won money. I, 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 I'm a video poker guy. Wait, you know, wait, the, wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that the picture of video poker that I saw with four aces that said $1,149 yeah, that, that, that was legit. Oh, you hit it for eleven forty nine. Yeah, that was legit. That was crazy. <laughs> so, well, okay, this is truth time. So that that was like the fourth. That was the fourth four of a kind I've gotten in the last two days. So the day before, I had four queens, four twos, four threes. Yeah. And that night, it's it's about three in the morning. Everybody'd gone to bed, and I found this little corner of this dungy little <laughs> casino. And I mean, I might have been drinking quite a bit. Where the guy's <laughs> like, um, "You want anything to drink?" And I think I mumbled, "Like, yeah, vodka seven, please." <laughs> and and then I hit four more aces, and I thought, "Yeah, okay, there's eleven hundred more." Why don't we just call it good? So, you know, I made, I, you know, I like baseball future bets. And so I made my baseball future bets the next day. And then I, I just thought, you know, I, I'm not going to win more. Why don't we just go home and what do you, you do? Know. You get on a plane and go home or did you? Yeah. Yeah. Alaska Airlines is amazing. So you just, you know, you just you left. change of, you were, yeah, you were just, supposed to, do, you're supposed to be there for the tournament and you left before it started. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. What, exactly. What, and I, and it felt something? right. That no. I don't understand you sometimes. I don't understand. Well, yeah, well, I don't know. I just, I don't know. You know, it's the difference between Reno in your thirties and Reno in your fifties. Oh. I just, it was like too much lights, too much smoke, too oh, many noises, yeah. not enough sleep, okay. too much vodka. Okay. Uh, not too much. Just the right amount, obviously. <laughs> and uh, Did I you came bet the home horses? Did you bet the horsies? A little bit. Yeah, a yeah. little bit. That never works because you have a wad of money and you're betting long shots and you think you're a big deal. Didn't we As go to in, Galveston, Texas to see the doggy races? We oh. sure did on when uh, Thursday night, dollar uh, 50 cent beer night. You said, uh, why don't we go see the dog track? So we drove from Houston to Galveston and you said, I, I'll drive. You drink some beer. And um, so I had 50 cent beer night and that made 
any other track in America look like the Taj Mahal. <laughs> that that place, you remember that place and and maybe even some of the dog track betters. That was that was one of the most interesting uh, uh, the characters there. But yeah, that was that was a that was a fun trip in Houston. That was when those drunk uh, those drunk flight attendants. I got them up to my room and I passed out. Yeah, and, uh, that was that was a different. <laughs> I, that think, was what we I, I think we pissed off Stuart Scott talking about going to the dog races yeah. and the doggy wipeouts, didn't we? Yeah. Didn't Stuart Scott give us the the cold shoulder or the evil eye? No, no. cold shoulder. He was flat out mean to me. He was he was flat out mean to me. What are we you guys laughing the, at? What are you yeah. guys laughing at over there? Right. I was on the phone with Graz and uh, telling him about going to the track. So no, it was going to the track, and he yeah. goes, "Look out for the little doggy wipeout." Yeah, around the. And I third. lost it, and yeah. then I'm telling you the story, and your milk is coming out your nose, <laughs> and we're screaming, and Stuart Scott says, "What's so funny?" <laughs> And it was like, what the hell are you talking? You know, and neither of us back. We both chickened out. You know, I should have said, hey, how about you mind your business and talk to the ladies you're talking to? But boy, yeah, he was he was a mean guy. Mean guy. I don't know that he was a mean guy, but he was mean in that moment. He certainly. Well, sure. That's that's what I mean. Excuse me. Yes. But I yelled at him. uh, I yelled at him Friday afternoon when he was on the cell phone outside the convention center. And I and he was on the cell phone and I yelled, am I too loud now? <laughs> and then I walked off and I thought, boy, that was just that was a dumb thing to do. But it felt right. I want to know right. what your mom and dad would think of the Seattle Mariners of 2023. That's what I want to know. Well, after watching every pitch in spring training and then every pitch now, they'd probably be frustrated with their slow start. But yeah. my mom would say it's early, Matthew. It's early. It's early. Dad and I are going Friday and it's early. We're excited. If you're there, come visit us upstairs, but it's early. That's what she would say. Oh. They'd be fine. They would stay the course and they would go to their boy. They still went late in life. They still went to 35 games a she year. She kept score, didn't she? Oh, she kept score. She kept a pitch count. Oh. She honestly kept the pitch count. I, you know, I'm going through the house and I found her scorecards and I just can't get rid of a Mitch. Oh. I'm going through all this stuff and she saved everything. She kept an immaculate house, but she saved everything. So I'm going through 50 years of stuff and I've got scorecards from the eighties and she kept the pitch count of the starting pitcher of the Mariners. She could give a damn about the opposing pitcher. Right. 1983. That's some bad baseball. And they went to a lot of games at the kingdom, but my dad would start saying, well, you know, the bottom of the lineup, so I just see some holes. I just, I see some holes. <laughs> And I don't know, you know, I really like when, you know, and Kellenic, boy, he's hitting the ball. But I see some holes and I don't understand the designated hitter role right now. Couldn't we do better there? Couldn't we do better? Uh, was and that so, was baseball his favorite sport? I know it was her favorite sport, but was baseball. Yeah, by far. Oh. By by far. Oh. It, it's funny. After, yeah, he had lost a little interest later, you know, in his last five years. And then when I moved in with him, we just forced him to get back into it. Yeah. Because it was such a, you know, he'd he'd tell me after he'd go chop wood and then he'd go down to his favorite bar. He's like, how come when the Mariners lose, they're my Mariners? Everybody says, hey, I saw your Mariners lose, Al. And then when they're winning, nobody says my Mariners. Why, why is that, son? And I said, dad, just ignore them. You, you just got to ignore them. But yeah, he was he was a massive baseball fan. And he always said the same thing. He said, I know what they're trying to do. It's a thinking man's, you know, who's on deck and what's the count. He said, I love the thought process. He just loved the thinking part. And he'd go to the games with my uncle 
who was a massive baseball fan and a baseball coach up in Bellingham. And he just loved the thinking part of baseball. Loved it. Loved it. And he loved when it was easy. He loved when he would go see Randy Johnson as much as possible because it was easy. 12, 13 Love strikeouts. That's easy. You don't have to think too much. He's just going to wipe them out. Let's score some runs and go home. Too bad they so. never saw a championship. None of us. No, that's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. That's why I thought it was going to be special last year. His first year off the earth. I thought they were going to make a big run. Mm-hmm. Same thing. He was a, he wasn't a closet. Uh, my cousin went to Gonzaga and you and I both would cringe. He was a huge <laughs> Gonzaga fan. Yeah. And, um, I would just make comments about Mark Few to him in the background. He said, what would you say? What would you say? I said he wouldn't return a phone call. Uh, Never returned a phone call uh, after he got big. Oh, no, no. He returned a phone call when he was trying to sell tickets to yeah. the Battle of Seattle when, yeah. when, when they were playing at yeah. the key arena and they and they were going to play to a half-empty arena. Then, right. he, then he would call you asking to be on the show. Right. <laughs> he, yeah. When they played Tennessee on a random Saturday. And then once they, yeah, uh, he and the AD couldn't know all of a sudden. And then I'd say, uh, <laughs> I'd say to my dad, I'd say, yeah, doesn't return phone calls. And he said, well, that, that sounds like it's between you guys. That's what he would say. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, it was. I was trying to get an 805 guest. That's uh, what I was trying to do. Slicky, go play golf. What'd you shoot yesterday? Uh, I shot an 86, 86, 87. Now, I had a great round at Linwood, and I didn't tell anybody about it because I knew it was a fluke. And so I, then I went to Nile, and I just blew up. So I had a great round about three weeks ago. But uh, I don't know. Anything in the mid-80s is just fine by me. Mm. Fine by me. And it's stretch. I'm not slick. I'm stretch. I called you I th- slick? Yeah, you, you just said slicky. <laughs> so I oh, think maybe you should just stretchy. start wrapping up this whole podcast <laughs> idea when you don't know who the hell your guests are. Oh, maybe that's a sign. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, mid, fi- mid, 50s, yeah, mid 50s treat everybody differently. Hey. Yeah. Hey, Anyways. Be careful. No, excited. All right. Go play golf stretchy and yeah. uh, shoot in the low 80s. Have fun in yeah. Palm Springs. Enjoy the warmth and the sun. And we'll uh, we'll check on you when you get back. Maybe the next time you're on the show, you can actually do it from the Northwest instead of Qatar and Palm we'll Springs and Rio yeah. Nevada. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm just so, you know, I'm just so loaded with money, you know, that I just, I travel all over. But yeah, always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you, Stretchy. You got it. Time for another visit with Zeke's Pizza president, Dan Black. How are we doing, Dan? I'm doing good, Mitch. No nickname this time? No, 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 no. No nickname. I'm all business this time because the big dance is underway. It's hoops hysteria. And you guys at Zeke's actually have a special throughout the tournament at all locations on the app. Tell us, Dan. Yeah, we have a great special going. So the whole tournament, it's $10 off your order for all pickup and delivery orders when you order through the app. All you got to do is download the app at the App Store or Google Play, which is super easy. Do any pickup and delivery order. It's got to be over $20, and you can only use the code once a day. But the code that you use is HOOPS10. That's H-O-O-P-S-1-0. Yep. Use it as many times as you want during the tournament. $10 off your order, any pickup or delivery order. That's incredible. So at all locations, if I order through the app during the NCAA tournament and I use HOOPS10, my $40 order... It's 30 bucks. That's right. Wow. It's a good deal. It's a I'm using it for deal. sure a lot. <laughs> 
you're using it, which features the new app. And that's one of the reasons we're doing it. We love basketball, but the new Zeke's app is highly improved. Can you tell us? It's way improved, and we appreciate everybody being patient while we made this transition. But since this thing's been fully launched, the reviews on it are great, and it's never been easier or faster. It's super easy to get it on your phone, and ordering is super easy and fast. The customer experience is really good. good. We have rewards for the first time. So every time you order from Zeke's, you're moving your way towards free pizza. So best way we've ever had to order for Zeke's. So we're proudly out there getting it into everybody's hands and on their phone. And the other excitement, Dan, is first ever out of state, out of the state of Washington location about to open. Yeah, we're going to open in Eagle, Idaho soon, which is a suburb of Boise. We're really excited. We have a great franchise partner down there. The community in Boise are super excited. We've been getting all kinds of write-ups down there. Nice. People know enough about Zeke's down there. They know that we're the Northwest pizza place. And so totally stoked. It's going to be really fun. First out of state, which is exciting. $10 off every order. Minimum $20. Every location, if you order through the app, all the way through the NCAA Tournament's championship game, you've got to use the code HOOPS10. Download the new and improved Zeke's Pizza app, homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Lee Tomino is yet again the champion. And he gets a really cordial hand from all these spectators around the last screen at Mule. So I've been a fan of our next guest on this episode 235 for a very long time. He's an author, he's a playwright, he's a golf writer, a golf talker with stops at Sports Illustrated and now the Fire Pit Collective. His new book. The Ball in the Air is not a typical golf book about people who are paid millions of dollars to participate, but rather that mystical spell that the game has cast upon all of us, including me, Michael Bamberger. How are you, Michael? Uh, I'm blushing. I heard I had a fan somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> Glad he or she or they have identified themselves. It is you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. I I, um, I raise my hand. I'm guilty. Yes. Thank you. Uh, dear listeners, I know you know the book Golf in the Kingdom. What what percentage of your listeners would know that book? Twelve, uh, twenty. I'd say eight percent. Eight. Okay. Well, Golf in the Kingdom is it. My book is nothing like Golf in the Kingdom. Golf in the Kingdom is written by a genius named Michael Murphy, but it does deal with the mystical hold the game has on us. It's a work of fiction. And what I've tried to do in this book is try to describe that mystical hold that the golf has some people, three people from three very different walks of life, not not real life people. Right. And one is a young woman. Should I tell who the three people are? Well, I was, I, yeah. Yeah. I was going to sure. say this is your ninth go around in terms of the books, and you've replaced the Tigers, Jacks, and Arnie's with the Sam, Ryans, and Pratimas, right? That's very nicely <laughs> said. So, so, um, all right, so doing a chronological order, uh, the youngest person in the book by far is a young woman named uh, Pratima Sherpa. She grew up truly in poverty. She grew up in a, in a, in a maintenance shed. You kind of have to let that sentence wash over you. She grew up with lawnmowers and no running water and a mother and a father who worked menial jobs on a rough and tumble golf course in Kathmandu. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be, and she was a natural athlete. Her father was, her, her surname is Sherpa. Her father was a Sherpa. And her life was going to go down a fairly predictable path. Uh, Nepal, I wouldn't have known this, but I've learned this is a very sexist culture. There's not equal opportunity for women in education or anything else. And then a, 
um, a writer for Golf Digest who is sort of an adventurous kind of person. His name is Oliver Horowitz. Mm -hmm. He stumbled upon her and told her story. And from that, different things have blossomed out of that. And I got interested in her. She is now this girl who grew up in this shack in this shed is now a senior at Cal State L.A. So she's a very good golfer. She's a, meaning she can break 80. Um, you know, she's not going to play professional golf. Uh, but the impact that the game has had in her life is extraordinary. And then there's a middle age is a new friend of mine. And some of your more of your listeners will, will know this name. His name is Ryan French. He lives in rural Michigan, small town of Alpena. Mm -hmm. And he invented uh, the reason you might know his name is he invented a golf beat where he started a Twitter account called Monday Q Info. And he's very interested, like like what the 12th man is in basketball, the last guy on the roster in football or baseball. He's interested in those characters. So he's created a beat that no one's ever done before, finding out who these people are, what their stories are. But that's all aside to this fact. His life prior to doing this was going down a path to be really not over dramatic, just fa factual about it, was heading towards taking his own life through a lot of things. But golf definitely being one of them, he found his way back to a much healthier life. And then the third person is an, a new friend of mine who is an older man. His name is Sam Reeves. He's 88. He made literate, well, he's made gazillion dollars as a cotton merchant selling U.S. cotton, California cotton, really, to China when that market opened. But he's deep, his golf is deeply a part of him and informs every part of his life. And for your listeners in, in Greater Seattle, he's a great friend of Fred Couples. If those of your listeners who listen to Fred show would know the name Sam Reeves because he's on quite regularly. He's a just a very deep and original thinker. So three different lives representing three different sections of life. And it adds up to why this game has such a hold on us. Thank you for letting me go on for so long there, Mitch. Who barely missed the cut? You know, that's really interesting. I, I made the cut because it brings sort of my own life into it. I know you do. And you take a few uh, shots at Live Golf. A little bit along yeah, the way. A little bit. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I'm unabashedly not a fan. Okay. Uh, my my colleague, have you ever had Alan Shipnuck on your show? I have not. I have not. Yeah, Alan, Alan, the listeners who don't know Alan Shipnuck. He wrote the, the guy who wrote the yeah. film book, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, one of one of Alan's lines is, I root for chaos. Well, he loves live golf, <laughs> but I don't root for chaos. Okay. The game means too much to me to root for chaos. And this is a chaotic uh, period. Um, but yes, there was a there was a guy in, in Miami named Julio. He could have been in the book. There's a lot of there's a lot of different people. That's the harsh thing about writing a book. You don't know who missed the cut. I had another book about a high school where I spent a year in a high school and a lot of kids missed the cut. And it's hard, but you can only have so many characters sure, in a book. Sure. These stories, Michael, are really golf in its most pure form. But I would think it represents a bit of a gamble for the author and the publisher just because it's a golf book without a famous face on the cover. Any hesitation? That is a very insightful question. Um, no hesitation, uh, hesitation on my part, because first off, I love the challenge of trying something new. But in this particular case, my very creative and golf loving uh, editor to whom the book is uh, dedicated, he came up with he just had the idea really right just when Liv was starting to catch on a little bit. He had the idea. It was basically the sense, isn't now a good time to celebrate the amateur game? Right. Just those of us, like the two of us, I'm sure many of your listeners, or probably all of your listeners, who played the game just because we like the game. Why do we like the game so much? So my job is to write the book. Their job is to sell the book. It's not easy. Uh, it's not easy in this day and age to get somebody to put down 
Games of Throne or whatever they call that yeah. thing in succession. <laughs> I actually know that name and sit down and read a book. So it's an insightful question. And uh, I'm very any reader I have, I'm grateful for. It, like if a reader writes to me and I write back this, oh, I'm so surprised to hear from you. I'd like, are you kidding me? You make my life possible. So thank you. <laughs> you include Lee Trevino in the book at St. Andrews. And there's a reason while he is the aforementioned big time pro who's won majors and made not a ton of money, but a lot of money. There is a connection between Trevino's history and upbringing to the kind of uh, the nature of the book. Explain that. Mitch, you see how you use your hands? I know the listeners can't see it. <laughs> how you use your hands when you talk. My wife is always like, why do you have to use your hands so much when you talk? I'm the same way. Now I've got confirmation. Yeah, I'm not the only person. Uh, okay. okay, Lee Trevino yeah. never played as an amateur. He would dirt poor, grew up in Dallas, worked at a golf course. The first tournament he ever played in, he played as a pro and he won. Wow. But to me, he's the ultimate amateur because here he is in his early 80s and he still has that spirit of love and mystery for the game. So that even though you can't get him out of bed without paying him, so he is a pro. There's no question <laughs> about that. But if you start to talk to him about what the game means to him, He's the ultimate amateur. The name of the book is The Ball in the Air. We'll come back to it here in a moment. Let's talk a little bit about your week in Augusta. John Rahm outduels Brooks Kepka, and the final round exploits of Phil Mickelson. Uh, the PGA Tour wins over a couple of live tour players. You wrote about what to many was a clear rules infraction. Uh, during the Thursday's round by Kepka's caddy giving advice to Gary Woodland and his caddy. But it felt to me like this story wasn't as big as it could have been. It didn't get the, it kind of came up on Thursday and then it went away. Maybe not for you guys in the press center, but for us out here watching it on TV, that story was a very small blip on the radar. And I'm wondering why, had they gotten a penalty on him, had they instituted a penalty on, on Kepka? The live thing could have come up. It could have been a little bit messy. What, what's your take on why it wasn't a bigger deal? What happened in the first round? Very insightful question. I would say the reason it became, didn't become a bigger deal is because people don't understand the issue. And they don't understand the issue because over the past 10 plus years, the sanctity of the rule book has been watered down. So you take even a golf, a semi-savvy listener to the show or any any golf any golfer anywhere to be like oh what's the big deal no harm no course, foul woodland probably didn't even get the information who cares he can look in the bag what's the difference you've got to do a deep dive into the understanding of what the actual issues are for me it is completely outrageous he should have signed for 67 that first day the turn it's so obvious on the anybody who saw the video of course. saw that the caddy mouths the word five. Five. People say that's not advice. No, that is advice. This this 15th hole, for those who don't follow golf closely, it's the second shot in a short par five. You got a lake in front, you got a lake over the green, you got nothing left, you got swirling winds. You absolutely want to know what the other guy's done. It's a huge advantage. If you have two golfers in cahoots, and then you've got the rest of the field not in cahoots. They have an unfair advantage over the field. So it's sort of selfishly putting your own desires ahead of 
the rights of the field. Now, this has been going down a bad road for a long time. And you can tell my voice and I picked it up in yours of indignation sure. that you're not trying to that you're not really respecting as a starting point, the level playing field. For instance, I'm gonna, I'll try to make this brief because I know this is the weeds for so many people. But it used to be that if you were sitting at home in your Barco lounger and you saw a penalty, you could call it in. And you'd have super sophisticated people like Tiger Woods saying, when I watch the Lakers and I see Kobe traveling, I can't call it in. Yeah, that's basketball. And this is golf. In golf, you should want those people calling in because you want to turn in the most kosher scorecard you can. You're not trying to get away with anything. So if anything, if somebody sees something that you don't see yourself or you're breaking a rule and you're not even aware, maybe you're breaking a rule. Well, of course, you're not trying to get away from some with something. So, of course, you would want someone to call you on it. That is the actual what I'm describing, in my opinion, I would say is the traditional ethic of the game. Mm -hmm. And it is un, it is in jeopardy so much so that it didn't get the indignation of which you just spoke. Mitch. And the Masters, over the years, you mentioned in your column, you know, kind of has a history of, I don't want to say turning a blind eye, but but they they downplay these incidents. They, they err on the side of just trusting that there was no malintent and let's move on with the next round. Right, and I don't think the club is doing itself, the tournament, or golf any favors by having that stance but what the, what the what the Augusta officials always do is try to honor the legacy of Bobby Jones. And Bobby Jones, many, many would not even know that name these days, but he was the co-founder of the club, legendary amateur golfer, played by the spirit of the games. You know, if you called a penalty and move yourself, someone praised him. He said, you might as well praise a man for not robbing a bank. Right. So this gentlemanly code of, oh, I didn't cheat there. Uh, I didn't get any advice there. I didn't give advice there. Then the master's officials say, oh, well, in, under the code of, of the gentleman, if you say you didn't, then you didn't. But when confronted with obvious truth and being, and I, I'm, I just want to say for legal reasons, I'm not saying that this is what happened in this case. Let's say your opinion upon watching this was that clearly the guy gave advice, told a book club, then you might say the master's official had an obligation to say, well, I appreciate that's what you're saying, but you know what? We're hitting you with the two shots. For people who know the story of Brooks Kepka and Gary Woodland at the Masters, give a quick synopsis of, of Mark Wilson at the Honda oh, sure. Classic at PGA National a few years ago. I'm surprised that more. Now, I happen to be covering that tournament, which is why it was front and center to my mind. So Mark Wilson was playing. Mark Wilson was a middle of the road, good player, but nobody would have heard of him really from Chicago. Little guy didn't hit it far playing in the Honda on the classic, just a regular tour event. I think it was the first round, possibly the no, maybe the second round. Uh, they're on a part three T his own caddy gave club advice to another player in the group, Camille Vajegas. So typically they signal like three for an eight iron or maybe three down or three up eight iron, three iron, whatever it might be. This case, so I think it was an eight iron. And it's against the rules, just like this. Ex exactly. No Same different. Thing. Right. By the way, just so people know, you can go over to a guy's bag and look in. It's totally, completely fine. The rules allow it. The rules try to eliminate ambiguity. They allow that. 
they don't allow you to verbally say something. There's a lot of reasons. One of the reasons is maybe you're going to lie about it and try to play game, try to play a game on the other guy. So you can look and not touch the bag, but you can't just give it. So anyway, Mark Wilson next soul says, my caddy gave advice. What happens? Rules official said clear as could be. It's two shots, just like the just like the Kepka situation, except for you didn't get the two shots. Fast forward two days later, Sunday evening, Mark Wilson, the guy who called the two shot penalty on himself, and Vijegas, the guy who got the uh, the the information, and two other guys are in a playoff because there is a golfing god. Mm-hmm. Mark Wilson won that playoff and nearly a million dollars and won the and won the home tournament. But go. regardless of that, you know, of course, it being funny there. Regardless of that. He just, he wouldn't even say he did the right thing. He did the thing you're supposed to do, play by the rules of golf. Got it. So, Michael, now that the best week has come and gone in golf, at least, as has the first live PGA Tour mixer, (laughs) you had the reported awkwardness. Now, you were on the grounds. I was not. The reported awkwardness of Mickelson at the Champions Dinner on Tuesday night. Everybody's read about that. He seemed a bit weird all the way through his brilliant 65 on Sunday. He seemed to act be acting funny. But beyond that, from Patrick Reed to even our guy Fred Couples, who made some clown comments before he arrived, it didn't feel like there was a lot of friction reported. Even, even Jordan Spieth was seen cheering on Phil and that duo. They both played well in the final day. Um, how would you put into words what you noticed about the live PGA mixer at the masters. That's a great phrase. I think um, golf doesn't do confrontation. Well, it's not a confrontational sport. Right. I mean, we've seen, was it, wasn't there an NBA game just in the past week where teammates started going at each yeah. other? Throat, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so that never happens in golf. You know, there's a code of golf of, of grace and um, even, even tiger, he actually tries to get along with his playing partners. He never blows anybody off. Uh, players ask him for autograph requests. You know, he's going to say yes, of course. Uh, so I think really they were just being polite with each other on the surface. But if you get below the surface and you really think about what Phil's done here, the PGA Tour gave him a platform for him to show off his skills and make a lot of money for a long, long time. And he turned his back on that tour, recruited players from his tour for this competing tour and and challenged uh, that tour. Now, as it's playing out for the super elite player like a Jordan Speed, it's working out pretty well because they're making a lot more money. So maybe on some level, they're happy that this all happened. Yeah. Uh, but if you step back a little bit deeper, you could say, you know what? This guy was a threat to uh, our way of life. So if they think about it a little deeply, which nobody wants to think too deeply, but it's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. But if you do, it's like, yeah, this guy sort of came after our breadbasket. I have three. I've kept you for a long time, but I have three last quick questions. Had live golf one. Let's put Mickelson aside. That would have been. I mean, had Mickelson won the Masters this year, I, I don't. My my head would explode on the coverage and what that would all mean. But okay, let's say Kepka wins, Live Golf wins. Greg Norman, who's not in, invited to come, they win the first Masters, the first mingling at a at a major championship. What what would we be talking about these last ten days? All right, I'm going to answer. I'll, I'll I'll give you the lead of my game story in that okay. scenario. Okay. Augusta, all caps, comma, G-A, period, M-dash, Brooks Kepka comma. <laughs> That's all I got. Next question. I can do this. I can be brief. Uh, Tiger Woods. 
Tiger Woods. Oh, we all are we, we doing? We all, are we doing the psychologist thing now? Like no, no. the word association game. No, no. You play the word association. No, I'll play the word association I don't, game with you. I, I feel like there's very few questions that I don't have to ask very much about. I just say Tiger Woods. I mean, we're here. Tiger we're, Woods. We're, we're reading, Michael. We're reading the story. I don't know if you buy it, but we're reading the story about Jason Day and and Tiger. Did you see that Jason Day said that? One of the bolts in Tiger's leg pierced the skin in an event. One of the events that he had to withdraw. I mean, it's just we want to we want this so badly, but we're not going to get it, are we? We're just not going to get it. No, I did not. I had not heard that. But Jason Day would know. Uh, I mean, that doesn't come out of nowhere. He's yeah. not going to just if Jason Day said that he's not inventing it. Tiger Woods, I've covered him since he's a teenager. I literally, I've tried my best to understand him. I think he really is one of the most enigmatic people on the earth. Look, we all know there's a lot to admire about Tiger Woods. There's a lot to question about Tiger Woods. But just, I say this in the most empathetic way. Yeah. He drove off the side of that road in Los Angeles. In, what would that have been? February of 21, right? Yeah, I think 21. That's okay. right. Okay. This is just from the police report. There's a black box in the car. The gas pedal was completely depressed. Who knows what his state of mind was when that happened? But the reason I bring it up is no flippancy at all in this answer. I don't think any of us can imagine what it's like to have your life unfold with the entire sports loving world unfolding it, uh, watching it unfold. And the, and I've said this before, but I think it, it bears mentioning the life he most resembles is probably Michael Jackson in terms of a life from a very young age unfolding on TV. And I don't think any of us in ordinary everyday life can understand what that is actually like. Your book is called The Ball in the Air, and it's very rare that we have authors on where we talk about other books. But I'm going to violate that for a second. The Billy Walters book that's coming out. Is that going to be really, really bad for Phil, do you think? I think it, it could be because I would think Billy Walters has the goods and I would think Billy Walters has the emotion. He went to federal prison sure. on a case that certainly more than tangentially involved Phil. I think there's every reason for people to be worried about what's what's in that book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Billy Walters is a very cagey, smart guy and uh I should point out uh, that he has the same editor. I don't know anything about the okay, book, okay. but he has the same editor and the same oh. trophy for other and okay. the same publisher that I have. Beyond that, this guy's an expert in gambling. People love to gamble. So I think, you know, just on that alone, on that, on that case alone, it'll probably be a very popular book. Ladies and gentlemen, the name of the book is The Ball in the Air by Michael Bamberger. You can also read him on uh, the Fire Pit Collective, formerly of Sports Illustrated, as I said. I am, and I think I'm not the only one here in the Pacific Northwest who's a fan of yours for a long time. I wish you nothing but the best. You're so nice. Thank you. Really enjoyed this time. Great I, questions, Mitch. Thank I, you so I much. I hope the book is gangbusters. Thanks very much. Thank you, Mitch. My man, Jay Flo, Jordan Flowers. He runs the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. He's a jet setter, too. Legoland with the family. A Cavaliers game in Cleveland with Cross Country Mortgage. I hope you don't forget your mediocre friends here in Seattle, Jordan. Never, never. All <laughs> the jet setting, it's just puffery, Mitch. Just puffery. Oh. 
very good, Jordan. Very good. Danny O'Neill will be very impressed. Good time to be a buyer in the Pacific Northwest. True or false? Absolutely true. Great time to be a buyer right now. Uh, buyers are not having to get into a lot of multiple offer situations and escalate like they were a year ago. Huh? They're coming to reasonable agreements with sellers, not having to waive all their conditions just to get considered. And they're able to get a lot of credits to help pay for closing costs or even take advantage of helping buy that rate down. And last week, I understand you locked in a buyer with an interest rate, at least at the outset in the threes. People listening to this are going to say that's not humanly possible. True or false, Jordan Flowers and how? True. So as referenced in the past, we are taking advantage of these temporary buy downs in the market. What we're doing is taking that seller credit and getting enough to offer the ability to temporarily buy down an interest rate from, say, the start rates are in the mid sixes, upper sixes, and get them starting at 3% the first year and elevates to four and then five and then the note rate. But within those first year or two with rates will come down, they then can refinance into that long-term secured fixed rate. All right. So what am I paying attention to if I'm a buyer or seller? What numbers as they come out over the next weeks and months? Yeah. uh, Two key markers to be watching is the CPI numbers coming out because the last year's CPI number will fall off, which it was a monster in March last year. If we get a lower reading this year, that will then be indicating inflation is coming down, which will be great for long-term mortgage-backed securities. And then keep an eye on the 10-year treasury. If we can get that 10-year treasury number down to about 3.2, 3.25, it's going to be an excellent time for anybody that has purchased in the last year to look to refinance and lower that interest rate as well. And if you're looking to refinance, if you're looking to lower that interest rate as well as he says, you're going to call first Jordan Flowers and his team at Cross Country Mortgage. Phone number? 425-890-2957. Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. Great, great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Stuff segment episode 235 Hot Shot Scott. Would you like to start or would you like me to start? I'll give you a Sean Kemp. That's what I was going to start with. Very good. Go ahead. You go. He's been charged with first degree. I thought assault. it was all done. I thought that they had excused him and said he did nothing wrong and let him go. Well, and now we're reverting back to that, whatever it was, March 8th. Mark, yeah, that parking lot altercation where he was seen yes. shooting a gun in a yes. red vest. Yes. Well, it had been in limbo uh, until this, this past week where authorities uh, initially arrested him before deciding they needed more time to investigate investigate right all while he claimed his act was in self-defense right saying his actions were reasonable and legally justified unfortunately for sean that's not the way the prosecutors ultimately saw it they've now hit him with a first degree assault charge which by the way if convicted the charge can carry a life sentence really what yeah first degree assault yeah it can carry i mean, I mean he's not going to get life but yeah crazy so there's some question of whether he was fired at first or he fired at the car right first he yeah. says he was walking back to his car and he heard gunshots and that's when he fired back yep others have said that he got out of his car and started shooting before any other gunshots were heard or seen and there's other details that have come out apparently his car was burglarized while at the show box in oh, seattle okay. have you heard this no yes his car was burglarized while at the show box a cell phone was part of the stuff that was taken. Mm-hmm. 
He tracked the cell phone location Jeez. to a spot in Fife. Yeah. He went to the spot in Fife and, and approached a silver SUV and asked if the items that they had, if they had his items, that's where he tracked the phone to. The SUV, instead of cooperating with him in Fife, sped off. So they left him again. Yeah. He then again tracked the phone. That's when it went to the Tacoma Mall. That's when he went to the Tacoma Mall and this... This interaction happened, and there's disputes as yeah. to what exactly happened, and he's been charged with first-degree assault. Some witnesses say they heard multiple gunshots before pulling out their phones, of course, to record it. Right, so right. it wasn't just that he was the only one shooting. It's not clear if he shot first, but both people appear to be shooting. And then Kemp decided to ditch the gun in the bushes, which they then found. It wasn't that far away. They just looked at the bushes, and hey, here's a gun. I just wonder, and again, I'm going to be me here. I just wonder when you go searching for your stolen stuff do you typically take a gun with you do you assume that the other people are going to have a gun like i if my stuff was stolen or i was tracking my phone i wouldn't be going with a gun i'd just be going to find it and try to find it yeah so do they know each other do they not know each other did the people who burglarized sean kemp know it was sean kemp the former basketball player right. was it just random i have lots of questions that i i, I need answers to so. but a lot of people are you know they have a concealed carry permit right which he might have i don't know so maybe right. he travels everywhere with it like know. a lot of people do this have it under their seat and they're allowed to and yeah, I guess maybe so. he's one of them who knows? I guess so. Yeah, I don't know. If I'm traveling to Fife to get some stolen stuff back, I might carry a gun too. That's where everything stolen in King County ends up. Is that Fife? I see your Sean Kemp, and I raise you a Daniel Snyder. It looks like we finally Woo! have a Washington Commanders sale. Crazy. After all that, bad guy Danny Snyder is selling to a group that includes Josh Harris, who owns the Philadelphia 76ers, Mitchell Rails, who was at one time my boss. In Washington, D.C. Oh, really? He once owned the radio station called WTEM in Washington. Oh. And him and his brother started the radio station. He didn't let you in on this deal? No, he no. didn't call you? No other Mitchells allowed. <laughs> okay, fine. I didn't have the cash available anyway. <laughs> and Magic Johnson. Yeah. Uh, there, are, there are reports that the other NFL owners are not thrilled with the price. It's uh -oh. $6 billion, which is the biggest price the NFL has ever gotten. But other NFL owners apparently think that the Washington Commanders were worth more. They were a little annoyed that Jeff Bezos was ostracized from the process because they feel like if we could have gotten Jeff Bezos into the process, oh, yeah. it would have sold for the $7 billion that we think that it was worth. Right. So there, there is some question, but most believe it will be ratified at the next owner's meetings. And yes, bad guy Danny Snyder will be out of the NFL owning business. And walk away with $6.4 billion. Six Zero four. bill. I'll take the zero four. <laughs> That's right. Just slide that on over to You me. could I'll have the six that. billion. I'll take this, the point zero four billion. No question. Yeah, that's about 40 million from, from what I can check. Oh, it's always good when nice people land on their feet like Daniel Snyder walking away with $6 billion after all the shit he pulled. Rare good news uh, from the University of Washington Hoops Department, Hotshot. Did you see this? That's a sentence that was written? Yes. Wow. No, I wrote it. Okay. Keon Brooks. <laughs> yeah. The best player on Washington, the guy that they got the transfer from the University of Kentucky, mm -hmm. their best player last year says, I'm coming back for my final year. I'm not going to the transfer portal. I'm coming back to go. play for Mike Hopkins and the University of Washington. So Hopkins will be there. We know that. For now he will be. For He's a 6'7 he forward who averaged 18 points Whoa. and seven rebounds a game. And most thought that he would either try the NFL or professional basketball or transfer to somewhere else, his third team. But he says, nope, I'm playing. Wow, good for I'm him. I'm playing from Washington. And then... 
And then a uh, a local favorite of many from Bellevue High School, mm. Buda Baker, yeah. is in the news. He says, I want out of Phoenix. He's done. Really? Done. He's not happy with not being the number one paid safety in the NFL anymore, which he was uh. when he signed the deal. But now since, a couple of safeties have become yeah. richer or gotten richer deals, and Baker's upset and he wants out. Should he just be the richest safety who ever played the game, even when he's 80? Like, <laughs> no one can ever make more than but That's how this business goes. Doesn't he know that? And he's no spring chicken anymore, by the way. I don't know that he's worth yeah. the highest paid safety. I say... You, you go to Buda Baker and you say the following. We will make you the highest paid safety in the history of the We will redo your contract, throw, throw on a couple of $10, 20000000 million to make you the highest paid safety under one condition. You recreate the play with DK Metcalf. <laughs> right. And you've got to outrun <laughs> DK right. Metcalf to the end zone. Yeah. And if you can't outrun DK Metcalf, you've got to settle to play for your – $11, $12 million a year. That's you're right. going to have to make ends meet with that kind of money. Yeah, I like it. That's all. I would love to see it again. Yeah. I'm sure DK's up for it. Yeah. That's pretty amazing play, thinking back on that. We just kind of went, oh, yeah, DK's fast. But no, 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 we didn't do that. That's a pretty we, freaking. We all, we all were amazed when it happened. It's crazy what he did. I love it. Yeah. I love the, ex- the if you, you watch real closely and you see the reaction by Buddha, like, where, where, where did that guy come <laughs> <Right>. from? Right. <laughs> That's pretty amazing, yeah. All right, leave it to dipshit Philly fans to turn dollar dog night into a huge food fight. Uh, Food mess. Jesus. The wild scene went down as the home team fell to the Miami Marlins at Citizens Bank Park, a game where more than 58,000 hot dogs were purchased by a sold-out crowd as part of the promotion. Oh, my God. Huge hit lines for the concessions wrapped around the concourse as people were waiting an impressive amount of time to get their hands on one of those dogs. But when when the the Phillies failed to give the spectators a win, a ton of people decided to chuck their extra franks in the air, which resulted in a truly chaotic moment. No word on whether anyone was kicked out or busted. Former Astros player Evan Gaddis let it fly on Twitter this week. Whenever you see former Astros player, you can probably guess what he was talking about. He took the Twitter on Monday, and he was a completely open book. He made numerous admissions about his individual role in the sign-sealing scandal. Gaddis not only admitted that his home run in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series against the Yankees was a trash can bang, but he was probably on PEDs at the time, he says. (laughs) By the way. (laughs) Oh, by the way, here's the bonus to that story. I was on PEDs as well. If it wasn't the Yankees, I would would feel bad for the other team, but it's the Yankees, so you can't feel bad, but... God, that sucks, man. When you you lose into that team and they're doing that stuff, awful. Ugh. Listener Jared Coe tweeted me uh, last week when he heard the podcast where we were talking about the excruciating way. Remember last Sunday where they lost to the Cleveland Guardians last Sunday when we were recording 234? They were ahead going into the bottom of the ninth, bottom of the 10th, yeah. bottom of the 11th, bottom of, the league, and yeah. they kept on losing, and they lost the game. Yeah. And I said it's the most excruciating way to – Jared Coe on Twitter says, on Monday's show, you said there may be no worse way to lose a game than the way the Mariners did on Sunday. As a counter-argument, I submit this for your consideration. (laughs) The Chattanooga Lookouts. Ever heard of them? No. They faced the Rocket City Trash Pandas in a minor league showdown. (laughs) Okay. Final score, Rocket City had five runs on six hits and one error. And Chattanooga had seven runs on zero hits and zero errors. (laughs) That's pretty bad. They were no hit. Oh, God. But they scored seven runs on no hits, all in the last inning on walks, errors, and hit by pitches. Unreal. A 7-5 to win for Chattanooga. Wow. 
No hits. They scored seven runs. That's pretty bad. Yeah, I think that's in the definitely in the consideration. That's like a little league game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. that doesn't happen. Where the kid comes out and can't get the ball over the plate, doesn't allow a hit, but gives up like twelve runs, and things just start spiraling yeah, for him. And you can see airs, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. The Air Jordan Thirteens worn by Michael Jordan during the nineteen ninety eight NBA Saw the Finals. Movie, by the way. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Affleck? Four of us. Air. Yeah, it's called Air. Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro. Yeah. And uh, Phil Knight played by Ben Affleck. Yeah, I saw the. Saw the flick. And? <sighs> yeah, okay. see, that's, see too that's, new. that's why I didn't run out. It's too new. What do you mean too new? Well, I know a little. I know Sonny Vaccaro a little. I've entered. I mean, I, I know. Right. I just, it's, it's too, it's, if I'm going to go to a sports, like a, a true story about a sports thing, mm-hmm. it's got to be from a long time ago where I don't remember the particulars involved. And right. I can't, you know, watching Matt Damon play Sonny Vaccaro, I just couldn't get no matter how good his performance was, he did not remind me of Sonny Vaccaro. So I sat yeah. there for two hours going, okay, he does not remind me of Sonny Vaccaro. And so I had, tr- I had trouble. Like, Ben Affleck looks like Phil Knight. They made him look like Phil Knight. Sonny yeah. Vaccaro, can you picture yeah. Sonny oh, Vaccaro? Oh, yeah, sure, yeah. Okay, he looks nothing like Matt Damon. Right, nothing. And so the story was good. I mean, I don't know. It was but there was right. a 30 watch for 30 on, about watch it. Watch it on video when it comes on the stream. Right, everyone loves videos. Yeah. Um, watch it. But there was a 30 for 30 about it. So I feel like I already know the whole story. And wow. then and then the last dance, the I'm kind of Jordaned out a bit. Well, it's just too new. I, yeah. I, I think there should be a rule. When a major motion picture studio does a true story about a sports event. Or any true story for that matter. Like yeah. I didn't I didn't run out to see the one about the uh, the Twin Towers coming down. Like flight whatever. No, it's like, too new. Who needs to see that? Too no. new. Yeah. It's got to be like 70, 50 years old. 50, yeah. 50 years For old. a movie, yeah. Motion yeah. picture, sure. I, I feel like Michael Jordan's story with Nike is like last Tuesday. I know, it does it's feel too, that way. It's too soon. It's not like we all forgot about it. Like I said, no, they've, they've I been having about specials it. about it. And, know yeah. about the mother. Know right, the I know. The Viola thing. Davis is very good. She I'm does sure, yeah. She actually kind of looks like his mom. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, how. and whoever whoever the guy was looked like his dad. His dad, yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, the, the Air Jordan 13s worn by Jordan during the 1998 NBA Finals sold for... $2.238 million. Jesus. The highest price ever paid at auction for a pair of sneakers. Now, the shoes were given to a ball boy. Yeah. Which I love these stories. Just randomly in 1998, handed to a ball boy after he played. I think that guy already cashed out because he, he wasn't the benefactor or the one who got the money. Right, right. So he had already cashed out at some point and then. Didn't get what he needed to get, though. Well, as it turns out, right. Whoever has them now yes. did much better. Much so, better. Anyway, two point two three million for a <sighs> pair of freaking shoes. Unreal. I know. Unbelievable. If you have do a few more and then I'll uh, I'll rattle off. I have a I have a I have a handful here. Kind of a sad story about NFL draft prospect Michael Jefferson. Widely considered one of yeah, the 30 car best accident, receivers. Right, yeah, right, involved right. in a fatal crash. One that right. reportedly left him with significant injuries. He was going to be a first-round pick, it looked like. But a 55-year-old man was driving a 2014 Dodge Charger, collided head-on with Jefferson's 2019 Chevy Impala. The 55-year-old man was not wearing a seatbelt. He right. passed away. Right. Um, a 2008 Nissan Maxima also Jeez. struck the Dodge, and it was just a oh, mess. But God. some guys had him projected to be a mid-round, a mid-round pick in yeah. this month's draft. I mean, yeah. it's just, God, that. he had the, his life in front of him, and hopefully he can recover. So sad. So brutal, man. Yeah. yeah. I have a guest request for Unfiltered. I, here's a guy that I want to get on the show. No joke. Okay. I would really like to get this guy on the show. An yeah. Oregon man was stopped by police this past Tuesday. After he tried to gift strangers money by tossing $100 bills out the window on a busy highway sure from his car window. Do you know that story? Sure, 200 grand. 
Police received multiple phone calls about bills floating on busy Interstate <laughs> 5 toward the south end of Eugene, Oregon at 7.30 p.m. Tuesday, according to the news release from the Oregon State Police. Multiple vehicles stopped on the road. People left their cars to grab the cash, which was reportedly in the form of $100 bills. Police say the person behind the free cash was 38-year-old Colin Davis McCarthy. I've got to have Colin Davis McCarthy. Yeah. Steve, the producer, okay, <laughs> book a guest for God's sakes. One guest, please. Yeah. Book one guest on Mitch Unfiltered and make a 38-year-old Colin Davis McCarthy who told officers that he wanted to gift the money. He estimated that he'd thrown $200,000 in bills from his car window. This is a true story. In true story. I need this man yeah. on. Please. I read that his family Please. was uh, his family was none, none too pleased with the, his I actions. I can imagine so. Yeah. Uh, a Bloody Mary. You like a nice Bloody Mary? Oh, sure. A waitress has been fired from a restaurant in Japan after allegedly creating a cocktail with her own blood at the request of a paying customer. Yes. Actually, management publicly apologized, <laughs> calling the server's actions absolutely not acceptable. Yeah. The anonymous employee allegedly infused her own blood into the menu staple dubbed orakaku, which I would think would be something else, yes. which is usually made with fruit or syrups. She threw her own blood in at the request yeah. of a paying customer. Not to be outdone, her male coworker made tea using his own personal tea bag. Was that supposed to be a Yeah, that was one of my jokes at the end. Oh, I stole it from you. It's a good one, though. Roman Polanski's rape victim has spoken out, Hot Shot Scott. How old is she now, I wonder? Well, she was 13 in 1977. Yeah. So that's 23 plus 23. She's 46 plus 13. She is 59 years. She will be 59 years old this year. And he's been extradited. He's been in jail. He's been on the run. On the run, yeah. He has yeah. not been. He's never been. I thought back he was in charges. Did he not get incarcerated for forty days or something? Maybe, but he's been in. I think France or some country forever. She did an interview with Roman Polanski, who's ninety years old now. Ninety. He's ninety. He was born wow. in nineteen thirty-three. Same year as my dad. Nineteen thirty-three. He did an. Inter- she did an interview at fifty-nine years old with Samantha Geimer who happens to be Roman Polanski's wife. I guess she's a oh, journalist. Okay. She, the two women sat down. Awkward? Yeah, a little, a little bit, bit, yeah. I'm going to read to you the quote, and you tell me what you think of this quote. Okay. This is the quote of the now nearly 60-year-old woman who was 13 when Roman Polanski sexually assaulted her. Here's the quote. Let me be very clear. What happened with Polanski was never a big problem for me. I didn't even know it was illegal that someone could be arrested for it. I was fine. I'm still fine. The fact that we've made this a big deal weighs on me terribly to have to constantly repeat that it wasn't a big deal for me at the time. It's a terrible burden. From my side, nobody wanted him to go to jail, but he did, and it was enough. He paid his debt to society there. End of story. He did everything that was asked of him until the situation went berserk. He had no other choice but to flee. Anyone who thinks that he deserves to be in prison is wrong. It isn't the case today, and it wasn't the case yesterday. Sounds That's like- a direct quote from the from the woman who was 13 at the time. I'd say it sounds like the check cleared from the Polanski estate. You think so? 
To, to say he doesn't, I mean, she was 13, he was a grown man. There's something wrong with that, I would say. Oh, I'm not saying that there isn't something wrong with that. I'm just well, telling she, you what she's, she's saying. saying. She, she's she's saying. saying she never thought that right. there was anything wrong she's with She's saying it. he shouldn't be in prison. She doesn't even think that anything anything was wrong. I would disagree with her if you're asking me for my opinion. Oh, of yes. course, of course. But yeah. is it, so you think this is a pure example of... It was a different time, maybe. Again, if it didn't bother her, that doesn't mean it wasn't wrong. She no, should be careful course, by what she says. Of course she should. Yeah, it's a little irresponsible to say that he... The people who think he should be in prison are wrong. I think it's irresponsible of her to say that. U.S. Senator Richard Blumenthal, hotshot from Connecticut, is on the men. Would you like to try to figure out how he got hurt? Yes, please. Yes. Uh, he suffered a broken leg during the Yukon Championship Parade in downtown Hartford. <laughs> oh, and he has since been discharged from the hospital after surgery. Oh. A cameraman was walking backward and ran into the Connecticut Democrat. They both fell onto the street after the collision. Blumenthal proceeded to get back up, and he finished the parade route despite... The broken leg. Well, that's a badass right there. These people getting hurt celebrating. It's so bizarre. We see people do it in pro sports, jumping yeah. on home plate. Yes, and, they do. Kendris Morales, I think. Was that who it was? I think he was one of the people who blew out a knee. Like shattered on. his... Yeah, that yeah. could be a slippery thing, that home plate. It can be, yes. yes. There's no question. Jamie Foxx is on the men. That's right, yeah. But nobody knows what's wrong with him. The uh, Academy Award winner's daughter... Corrine Fox mm -hmm. says, we wanted to share that my father, Jamie Fox, experienced a medical complication. Luckily, due to quick action and great care, he is already on his way to recovery. We know how beloved he is and appreciate your <sighs> prayers. Please give us some privacy on this. Yeah, it does sound like he's on the men, but it is weird that we just have no clue. We have no idea what happened. You saw the pictures of Jeremy Renner. I don't know if he, the guy who he did. The, the he plow, was, yeah. He got run over by like a snow cat or whatever yeah, that's yeah, called. Yeah. He was at Disneyland on one of those little... Little uh, little scooters cruising around Disneyland with his family, and it was heartbreaking. I mean, his you know because when you don't use your legs, your muscles atrophy, and his legs are just tiny now. Oh, really? It's like, is he going to recover fully well, at some point? He was on Kimmel, I think it was, and it showed him walking with a cane to go on to Kimmel. Jeez. So he's at least walking. Yeah, and the guy's an Avenger. You know, he's like a badass. He's like yeah. he plays a badass. Yeah. To see him on that scooter, but I'm glad he's alive. He says he's lucky to be alive. So yeah, these. That was a scary, scary thing for him. Gene Simmons wasn't able to fully rock and roll all night long during a recent Kiss concert. Oh, no. But he still did his best. During the rock band's recent show in Brazil. I don't know how I didn't see on this. On Wednesday but last week, I'm the scared. vocalist and bass player became ill on stage and needed to pause the show before sitting down for the remainder of the concert. Maybe 45 years of holding kerosene in your mouth to light it on fire <laughs> might make somebody feel ill, but okay, go he's ahead. Okay. He's okay. Hold on, hold on. Singer and guitarist Paul Stanley told the audience mid-show, we're going to have to stop, he says. Oh. We know how much you love Gene. He's obviously sick. We're going to have to stop to take care of him, but we love him, right? 71 years old. Uh, let's give Gene a really loud Gene. One, two, three, Gene. It, that's not the old Kiss performance. I don't think the way the, no. the Kiss performance is supposed to go. No, it's They've become not. altacockers. Kiss, I didn't become. Think Kiss, they've been. I, I didn't think the Kiss performers were allowed to become altacockers. He breathes fire. He spits blood out of his mouth. He flies to now the ceiling during shows. Taking, they're taking breaks to sit down uh, for a few seconds. He's got to like, pee. What kind of a show? <laughs> I know. It's so sad. They should have pulled somebody out of the... I guarantee you there were 100 people at that audience that could have played bass the rest of the show for I'm him. I'm sure. That would have been awesome. Just but let someone come out of the audience It's and play. supposed to be scary and I intense know, and the whole I thing. Know. All right, we got to stop for a few minutes. 
because she needs to pee. I know. It's so sad. She, she needs to catch his breath. Hold on. We'll oh. be right back with you. I, and they've already replaced two We're of them. We're going to take a break. There's, there's only two left from the original group. I mean. Really? Oh, yeah. Dead? dead? No, well, they, they booted them. Like Ace Freely's not around anymore? So a Ace and Peter were booted from the band like in Peter the 80s. Chris? Peter Chris, yes, good job. Yeah. And then they got back together around 96 for that yeah. reunion tour. Yeah. And I always loved this story, but I guess Peter and Ace were just really difficult. Just, oh. just difficult. Oh. They're out of the band for 15 years. They get them back together. It's going to be a difficult huge, again. <laughs> it couldn't be more. They just picked up right where they left off, bossing people around, demanding more money. Like, wouldn't you, you haven't sold a record in 15 effing years. Wouldn't you be so excited to be back in the. Nope. Well, Gene they Simmons got comes again. out now with a walker. Oh, God. <laughs> no, so sad. Know. He's the demon. Oh, he should God. not be taking breaks. Shannon uh, Tweed is going to run out on him. Shannon, oh yeah, that's yeah, right, I Shannon, Shannon Tweed. Tweed yeah. By the way, we used to be a Polanski. You know, he was married to Sharon Tate when she was murdered by the Manson yeah, family. Yeah, you're, you're, you're very into the Sharon Kind Tate. of a weird life Polanski's yeah. led, man. I mean, had he been home... 90 years old, still around somewhere. Had he been home, he's one of them. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think about. He comes home to that. I mean, you're he's, married... Yeah. And, and your, your unborn child. She was oh. pregnant. Arguably the best-looking woman who's ever lived is pregnant with your child. Now they're both just gone. Hey, what a crazy life Polanski's led. I mean, yeah. Anyway, I just sorry. I just you said Shannon Tweed, and I thought about Sharon. Tate. Got a couple of RIPs for you if you want them. Yep, I got one that you definitely don't have. I bet you I do, because I've got two that I have no idea what I'm talking about. Okay. But I got two, so maybe, maybe one of them. Yeah. Longtime ABBA guitarist. Oh, I didn't see that. Lasse Wellander has died. Oh. It was announced on Saturday. He was 70. You know who this is Swedish Wellander. Uh, died of cancer on Friday while surrounded by loved ones. And I've got Al Jaffe. Do you know who Al Jaffe is? Sounds familiar. The trailblazing and culture-bending cartoonist for Mad Magazine. Oh, right. He was 102 years old. He's known wow. for a number of Mad Magazine's trademark features, including snappy answers to stupid questions. And this is the one that I remember, and I never really read Mad Magazine. The fold-in. The drawing that ran on the back inside cover of every issue that could be revealed by folding the pages vertically That's right, yeah. and inward. Do you remember that? Yeah. So you could do that with every Mad Magazine. Yeah, you can make it like a whole other picture with That's it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, a really, there's a great Mad Magazine documentary if you want to see how, no, I don't how it started and all no. that. It's kind of interesting. No, I don't want to see it. Oh, right, well, there you go. Yeah. But the one I have, I knew you wouldn't have. Mary Quant, a British designer who revolutionized fashion and is credited with making the miniskirt popular. Oh, God. God bless her soul. No kidding. She passed away. She's famous for designing colorful and think about like like the swing in 60s Austin Powers during right. that time. She created these colorful and sexy mini, mini skirts as right. well as tights that went along with them, helping make fashion hmm. accessible to the masses. Hmm. She was 93 years old. I can only imagine what the reaction to the first mini skirt must have been. I know, right? I mean, forget it. Like, I know. Crazy. Right. And she, that was her. She was the pioneer. Pornography. Who, uh, it was right. probably pornography at the time. Well, yeah, I mean, showed ankles and, you know, like the 30s, ankles. it was pornography. I mean, yeah, we've come a long way, I think. All right, I only have three headlines. You Are do? You ready well, you had four and I stole, I stole one from you, but go ahead. The most expensive vanity license plate ever that reads P7 was just sold for $15 million. What? P7. I tried to make sense of it. I tried looking up what it means. So it don't, was don't like in Saudi Arabia or something. Oh, okay. I think it's I a status gonna... symbol. Like I have like number seven. I, I couldn't make sense of why it went for so much. But anyway, if anyone's inter interested, I'm still trying to unload my vanity plate that reads Macon Bacon. 20 bucks. Anyone wants it. <laughs> Thieves in Philadelphia stole $100,000 worth of dimes from a parked truck overnight in a Philadelphia store. $100,000 worth of dimes. Just dimes. Yes. Just dimes. In a truck. 
people are stumped as people typically go to Philly to buy dimes. And finally, on Sunday night, April 16th. Terrible delivery, by the, the way. The curtain. I didn't know if you'd get the weed dime bag. I don't really get yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't I think you would. I kind of get it, yeah. but the delivery was rough. It was awesome delivery, yeah, if yeah, I don't yeah, say so you myself. Didn't, you didn't have any timing. And finally, on Sunday night, April yes. 16th, as we record, the curtain fell on the longest running show in Broadway history. Really? The Phantom of the Opera. The Phantom of the Opera. Closed after more than 35 years. Strangely, the lead actor has disappeared and no one has seen him since. Dun, 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 dun. Have you the music. Seen? That's great. Oh, sure. Andrew Lloyd Webber, you can't do better. Did you just <laughs> No, I, I'm a fan. I, that I was love him. it. That was not me. You've seen it, I would assume. Phantom? I don't know that I've ever seen the Phantom of the Opera. Okay, but you like On the stage, music. I do know that. I do know that. All I ask of you, I oh. mean, for my money, it gets no better than when they sing All I Ask of You. Fantastic. <laughs> I love all that crap. As my dad would say, I never saw a bad musical or an ugly baby. Right, I know, but he and I disagree on the music. I've told you ten times on here, Yankee Doodle Dandy was shit. I know, and there's a lot of people that say there's a lot of ugly babies. <laughs> I don't have it in me to but say Bob that. Bob Levy would say, whenever you come out, <laughs> did you enjoy the show, Bob? Yeah. I've never seen a bad musical yeah. or an ugly baby. I would have taken him to Yankee Doodle and he would agree with me. That'd be the only, it was awful. So he, boring. Of course, he wasn't there when I was born. So he <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, he loved Yankee Doodle Dandy. No, he didn't. Oh, yes, he did. Jim, Jimmy Cagney? Uh, uh, Yankee Doodle uh, Dandy. I don't think he was the stage guy. I think he was the... The, the movie, but... Oh, oh I saw it in the theater. I mean, the... Uh, I've never left it in intermission. Brutal. Really? Oh, it's bad. Where, and I, and where? I, uh, the Fifth Avenue. Well, maybe you didn't see the real one. Well, the maybe songs would have been better? <laughs> it's the same shit songs and shit dancing. I mean, it kinda, I was out. I couldn't do it. And I love that stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, this Yankee Doodle of a Dandy episode <laughs> 235 is in the book. Thank God.